0: Some of those who play Batman need to work on their lat-man Some of those who play Batman need to work on their Latman. Ugh. Milling in the name of. Milling in the name of. And now you're killing the Joker. And now you're killing the Joker and now you're killing the Joker And now you're killing the Joker Exercise your calves and thighs If you're playing the bat, you need to be the right size Exercise your calves and thighs If you're playing the bat You need to be the right size Exercise your calves and thighs You're playing the bat Be the right size Exercise your calves and thighs If you're playing the bat You need to be the right size Chuff you, I won't do what you tell me Chuff you I won't do what you tell me. Chuff you I won't do what you tell me. Chuff you I won't do what you tell me. Chuff you I won't do what you tell me. Chuff you I won't do what you tell me. Chuff you I won't do what you tell me. Chuff you I won't do what you tell me.
1: Chuff you I won't do what you tell me. Hello and welcome to Final Games, the podcast about the games that inspired us. I'm your host Liam Edwards. and I'm very excited to say welcome to episode 2. I do apologize for the incredibly long hiatus between episodes one and two. I actually decided to do something stupid and move halfway across the planet to Japan. So I'm now actually in Japan, which is kind of cool. So unfortunately, things like this podcast had to be put on the back burner for a time. But I'm happy to say everything is in place. And I'm very excited to be rolling out episodes as soon as I can persistently badger guests into joining me which is kind of what i did today (laughs) so for those of you who may need a reminder or if this is your first time listening uh final games is a podcast where my guest is stranded in a hypothetical deserted place where they can't leave uh in this place my guest can only have eight games with them to play for the rest of their days so what eight games would they choose why have they chosen these games and what is it that makes these games mean so much to them i found out which games have inspired my guests and maybe helped them onto the path to where they are today, especially if they're in the video game industry. My guest today has been Head of Video Production at the popular video game website, videogamer.com, for just over a year now, having previously been the Editor-in-Chief of the website since uh, 2013. In his tenure as both Head of Video Production and Editor-in-Chief of the website, the traffic has doubled, including incredible boosts to Video Gamers' social media presence and YouTube subscriptions, which is now well past the 100,000 subscribers barrier. He has an ex- extremely impressive resume of work in the video game industry, starting out as a copywriter for Sony Computer Entertainment Europe, having studied English language, literature and creative writing at the Manchester Metropolitan University, moving on then to become the editor of the excellent 360 magazine with stints following as the editor-at-large for Imagine Publishing, running multiple teams of people while also keeping up with creating superb audio and visual content daily. From there, he made a big switch to from critical analysis of video games to promoting video games with his toes being dipped in the PR aspect of video games for unfortunately the now defunct THQ he has stirred up the industry having created characters for the incredibly funny and clever Miller Report which I absolutely adore alongside such talented folk as Steve Burns David Scammell Jim Trinker and most recently Alice Bell playing the titular character the truth seeker himself Miller he recently expanded his repertoire to include characters such as Jimmy Bob the overly excited YouTube genius, and my personal favourite, the egotistical and deluded indie game developer Brian Kranst. He's won multiple awards and is an extremely talented veteran of the industry, and someone who I am extremely excited to be talking with today. Please welcome Mr. Simon Miller. Hello! That
2: intro was well, that was well too nice. To That was way too a bigger intro for something. You should have just said, here's some schlub. <laughs> now, I've got on my podcast is named <laughs> Simon Miller. If you want to look him up, he's somewhere on the internet. Well, thank you, man. That was very kind of you. That was that was the best inch I've ever had.
1: Well, well, thank you so much. You obviously deserve it because this is your resume, uh, ripped straight from your LinkedIn page. Unfortunately,
2: is that where it's from <laughs> right there. You
1: go. Uh, well, you've you've been around a long time. You've
2: well. I know. I was saying this the other day, like uh, in, in in September this year. It's my my ten years in video games or more. I had ten years in video game journalism. Ten. More, if you count the uh, count the um, the stint at Sony. So yeah, I've been doing this a while now. I've been doing this a while.
1: Yeah, ten years. That's a that's it's good, especially if you can say, uh, you know, as consistent as you have being at like Xbox 360 magazine, which I actually remember buying. Um, yes. You know, <laughs> going to Imagine Publishing. You know, the guys who run big publications. And yeah,
2: I mean. I and, mean, you know, if anyone that ever did read X360 Magazine, I think, you know, if, well, you'd have to have been sort of a proper hardcore fan of it, but there's a lot of uh, sort of modern day video gamer stuff in there. There was a lot of taking the mick and, and poking fun yeah, of Yeah, so I remember. I, li- I like to think it's all evolved from there a little bit.
1: Yeah, I definitely remember because we had like, I think there was a almost a kind of culture where we had a very British style of magazines. I remember like, you <laughs> yeah. had Games Master, you had Xbox 360 Magazine, you had official PlayStation Magazine, which... And an official Nintendo magazine that all could be sort of a little bit biased and a little bit joking around about the other consoles and having a bit of a laugh. Yeah. It wasn't as serious yeah, as, you know, like Games TM or Edge and that kind of thing. So. Oh, no. We, yeah. we, we were the opposite. We were the polar opposite. <laughs> <laughs> we were just like, let's take the
2: mick out of everything and see what happens. So I like to think it all started there, but who knows?
1: Yeah, well, it's you know it's a very super impressive resume and obviously now you're back at video at video game being the head of video production where you know you've made stuff Indeed. like the miller report and you know brian cranston all <laughs> these oh, absolutely hilarious things that i I wish i came up with <laughs>
2: Well, i tell you what, you're probably the only person that wishes they came up with Brian Krantz. I'd say that for free, the most polar, polar opposite character in the world, or polarizing, I should say. But, you know, I think a lot of it just comes from the fact that, you know, video games are meant to be fun. Let's not take ourselves too seriously. I've always enjoyed nonsense. Nonsense has always been quite high up on my list of things that I, I deem to be important. So, you know, I, it's just one of those things where, and also, I think, especially with the character stuff, it's like, well, what isn't anybody else doing? And I'm a mad fan of professional wrestling, so it's like, well, weekly storylines and, you know, finding a character that you can turn yourself up to 11, all that kind of stuff. We just apply it to the world of video games. Yeah. When we first started doing it, it was like, well, let's just see what happens. Like, I think you should do with most things in life. It's like, well, let's see what happens. Let's throw a load of stuff at the wall. If it's successful, then that is fantastic. We can work on it. And if not, then that's just as beneficial because we can go, right, that didn't work. Don't do that anymore. Well, you can
1: definitely see that. I can. I've not really thought about it before, but I can definitely see like your sort of your wrestling influences. It's like the sort of weekly storylines and the sort of almost like mythical personas of people. Like Miller. Miller is this almost death-defying. Well, now, well, was Luchador who. Exactly, he came back from the
2: dead. Yeah, that doesn't happen in real life. That's that's that's
1: ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it's it's crazy because like even you guys like, was it you guys who created or or like some fans created? You've got like your own like canonical wiki now that's following the events of the Miller Report. Yeah, I
2: mean, if you want to try and catch up with all that ridiculousness, there is a a cinematic universe wiki. I think it was created by by somebody else. I unfortunately don't know who did it, but none of us did it. I think, you know, even with our huge egos, I don't think even we, we would have gone there except, <laughs> right, let's make a wiki. So yeah, but I think that's kind of our favorite thing about, you know, what we do is that the people that like it seem to really like it and they're really engaged and they do do things like that. But that's like the ultimate compliment to us. You know, if somebody enjoys what we're doing to such a degree, yeah. they're like, you know what? I'm going to go out of my way and, and use my spare time to, to write about these things that I've enjoyed. Then that's, you know, you, you can't ask for more than that. That's kind of the ultimate success for somebody to, to dedicate their own time to do something like that, yeah, exactly. There, and I get such a kick out of reading it. I mean, I, I love to see how other people interpret the characters. Like the Brian Cranston show and that wiki is just, <laughs> oh, it's just some some of the phrases is just, oh man, it's great. I, I, that kind of stuff, you, yeah, I find it insane that people would go out their way to do it. But at the same time, I'm eternally grateful, you know. Yeah. And it's nice as well. It kind of makes you think, all right, we must be doing something right.
3: Yeah, exactly.
1: If someone, if people are willing to sort of dedicate their time to. You know, keep it basically keeping it up to date, like
3: yeah,
1: I thought like the twelve days of Krantzmas.
3: I thought <laughs> I thought that
1: was genius. I honestly thought that was genius. It was so funny. Well, I appreciate that, man. Um, Thank you very much. Especially but... the one uh, about Germany.
2: Well, was that yeah. yeah, I mean the, the well that, that's kind of weird in itself because France <laughs> France was never meant to be. If you watch the first video of Brian France compared to the last video it's almost like two different people. I mean, I'm not 100% sure what he was ever meant to be originally, but it certainly is not the same by the end of that run. Yeah. And it's kind of, of, you know, for some bizarre reason, he did develop some form of foreign accent. And it was other people that started noticing it. Like people in the comments on Twitter were saying, why does he appear (laughs) to be a foreigner? So, and with all these things, it's like, okay, let's just go with it. If, if that's kind of where it's gone and that's where it's evolved to, all right, it becomes foreign. Yeah. So, um, it just happens to be one of those things where I was looking for dark facts about video games. I saw that one of the dudes from Five Night at Freddy's was called Schmidt. I was like, well, right, we'll make him German. <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do.
1: Because, uh, so, yeah. like, O'Kranst oh, and Jimmy Bob and Miller, y- you are playing, like... A- like uh, yeah, it's funny to talk about it. Obviously, you're a video game website. You make like video game reviews, and you take yourself serious sometimes. But you know, Jimmy Bob, like you go like a hundred miles per hour, like rambling on, like not even re- <laughs> not even repeating yourself sometimes. Just like crazy. Like, do, have you like do you like practice like being these characters? No, just all comes out.
2: I mean, it's um well, Mill Bob especially. That that's all. Uh, that's I, don't, I can't even explain that at all but that, yeah, that's all off the cuff it's all ad-libbed and we, you come up with an idea like, you know, so for so example we'll do we'll do a, you know five things you must do in Metal Gear Solid or whatever yeah and then I just just go just 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 ramble talk talk fast be enthusiastic jump around don't breathe you know make sure you go incredibly red in the face and see where you end up see what comes out and it's just <laughs> for better or worse somehow I am able to do that without having to think about it too much in many ways that's probably terrible because if I was ten years younger and I was doing this legitimately, I'd probably be the biggest star, <laughs> probably <laughs> the biggest YouTube star in the world. Because they're all like that, and they seem to find incredible success with it. So I know I don't know. I, I don't I don't know where that comes from. I don't know why I'm so easily able to just fit into that character. Maybe I secretly like it. Maybe that's secretly what I want to be doing. Yeah, yeah maybe. It
1: maybe you yet. actually do want to be a YouTube star. That gets the top. yeah. I'm I'm a, I'm a closet YouTuber. I'm a <laughs> closet, closet YouTuber. YouTuber. A, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I remember the uh, Christmas episode where that was, that was insanely depressing. <laughs> well,
2: I mean, I think with, cause that character was supposed to be like a one and done. I'd seen a video that had done, you know, really successful on YouTube and all the power of the world to those people. But I was just flabbergasted that it was a completely, you know, it was just you know, things you should do in this game. And it was like, you know, play the game, enjoy the game. And I was like, that's just it's not information like super all with. over the place yeah but at the same watch time watch the game like, play the game do this yeah it's like he's <laughs> got an audience he's enthusiastic he's energetic people obviously like that i don't get it because i'm an old miserable so-and-so but you know it, it, you know the joke is always on me because they're incredibly <laughs> successful and <But> i thought <laughs> well, what i can do is i can parody it so yeah. i thought screw it i'll um i'll go out and i'll parody it and you know that was supposed to be it but it did really well and then i kept coming up with more ideas for it so i at, to the end of the point, it was just we all sat down and thought, well, it's much more unexpected now if you make all these videos really <laughs> sad and depressing because it's the complete, and excuse my, the worst word of all time, but it is a complete juxtaposition to see a YouTuber who's actually, you know, you strip all that annoyance back and he's a young boy and he doesn't know where he's going yeah. he doesn't have any friends and everybody hates him and that kind of <laughs> stuff. I just thought, well, that's actually, I mean, pretentious as as anything, but. Slightly more interesting uh, a story arc to take it, so yeah, and I, I like doing all that kind of stuff. It's and, you know more than anything. I don't think
1: it's just made. I think the thing with like the stuff you do, it's like it's smart in terms of like with the Miller Report, it's really funny. But unless you had like Jim and Steve doing their characters, it wouldn't wouldn't work as much. And, and the same with like Jimmy Bob, like. Without like, uh, Jamie sat next to you, yeah. being a miserable, sod.
2: Well, that's it. I mean, it's like anything. It's you know, if you take any, I mean, you take Seinfeld for for lack of a better term. Yeah. Which you know, which is my favorite sitcom ever. Okay. If it was just Jerry, if it was just Jerry Seinfeld, it's like this is still good. I'm yeah. still enjoying it. And Jerry Seinfeld's a very funny man, but you know, you want the you know, you want the Kramers and the Georges yeah. and the Elaines and all that kind of stuff because that is what makes it. You know, into a show almost mm. and makes it more interesting i mean you can get away with doing the odd episode of just focusing on one person yeah. but you know having a cast of characters that people can like and dislike and you know that without a cast of characters you can't do storylines either so you've got to have um you know you got to have somebody to play off yeah uh, and kind of brian cranks in a way was you know was an attempt to say well let's see what we can do you know as just one character and stuff but even then after a while like it's just more fun it's more fun having someone to play off having other characters there that you can interact with. I just think the best stuff comes from there. And everything that I like, you know, be it something like WWE or Seinfeld or anything like, or Kirby Enthusiasm, all the best moments come from when your main characters are playing off one another. Now, I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that I think video game or TV is of the level of the Seinfeld or <laughs> Enthusiasm. But as inspiration, I just think that kind of format works better where there's different characters, they evolve yeah. a bit, they interact a bit, and you can kind of pick your favourites and and take it from
1: there. Yeah, I will. It's like, it's really funny. It's obviously, you're saying about, like, video game TV not being on the same level as Seinfeld. Recently, I've started to make my own videos, and I recently made a video about Fallout, and I I wanted to make, like, a a Fallout skit. I had the idea for, like, a first-person kind of skit. I know it started out being serious to begin with, Mm. but then I'd been watching so much of the Miller Report that I thought... (laughs) Why not just make it funny? It's much more appealing that way.
2: What well, Yeah, and, and kind of my logic with it all has always been that video games and not in a disparaging way, I mean this in the most positive way possible, they're toys. You know, they're games. They're something that they're supposed to entertain. Yeah, to you're have supposed fun. to get enjoyment from. It. Exactly. So never lose, you know, never lose sight of that. And I yeah. think that um Yeah, you know, there's a time to be serious like if you're trying to review a game and yeah. And people's money are at stake. Then yeah,
1: if yeah, which, serious which, hat, which you guys do do. You do yeah, separate exactly. the you know the funny side of things from the much more serious side of things. Where you know you're still a video game reviewing website, exactly. So exactly, yeah. But with
2: the, with the other stuff, it's like games are meant to be fun. So if we're not having fun, that almost seems like we we've, we veered you know, well off in the wrong direction for how I see video games. A lot of people take video games very seriously and that's fine. There's a place for that. Yeah. But that's never something that, you know, I, I, I was ever that interested in, like, you know, frame rates and all that kind of stuff have their place, but
1: you've got, you've got, games are fun. you've got your guys at like digital, digital foundry, you know, they do top quality stuff about the technical side of video games. And you have, so many video game websites that have like a serious critical breakdown of like brand new release what's great about it What in comparison to like the other games in the series or what's new about it there there is a distinct lack of almost comedy in video game journalism
2: I, i i i mean i think so yeah uh, you know thinking, i think that's know, people why giant like I... have always done it well yeah. And, oh uh, yeah and the you... mega 64 yeah. games and people like that but Brit, from a british point of view yeah. it was all very yeah definitely stiff upper lip but... and, and I just, i've never looked at video games like that like i've yeah. never ever looked at it like it's... that so when
1: i think it's one of those things i think everyone thinks that they can write an article as good as like say simon parkin you know renownedly known journalists who you know are superb and they write fantastic articles but everyone thinks they can you know write down their ideas and that they'll be as good as someone else but when it comes to like guys like mega 64 and giant bomb i think because those guys are really they are really funny guys people are kind of scared to almost step into that territory in case of getting sort of yeah maybe but whereas you guys you know you've done it and it works (laughs) it works it is superb
2: it could have very easily died on its ass as well. It could have. I mean, that's the thing I, I yeah. always say as well is that just take the risk. If you fail, who cares? I mean, yeah, yeah you, you know, you'll feel a little bit sorry for yourself for a while, but it, look, failing is, I'm going to sound one of those motivational positivity speakers now, but if you fail, it's as good as information, if not better information, than succeeding, because you can cross that off your list and go, right, that doesn't work. Yeah, next thing. It bruises your ego for a bit, but
1: who cares?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's fun. And I, so let's
1: have fun I, and see what And you I think do. especially. On the internet, you always kind of feel like you're half failing anyway because of <laughs>
4: because you've got so many
1: negative comments usually. Even yeah. if you create literally the best thing in the world, there's someone out there who thinks someone's going to hate someone it. Someone thinks it's a pile of shit. So
2: exactly, I'll I'll share the uh, the login details for Brian Crant's Twitter with everyone, and you can all go through the the tweets he gets on a daily <laughs> basis. But I love all that. I love all that The point is even that character who is like i say incredibly polar polarizing yeah. gets a reaction out of someone yeah. and i think getting a reaction out of someone is 10 times more important than people being nonchalant to it or being yeah. like oh, i don't really care you make people care you make them buy in even on a negative side yeah. of thing like you're doing you're doing something right
1: yeah well you're doing something that people are paying well, I hope attention so anyway. to yeah
2: exactly <laughs> i hope so
3: i hope so well so, fingers crossed
1: yeah well i really enjoy it and i think it's absolutely sus- Superb, so being able to speak to Thanks. you today is is really 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 cool. so uh,
2: that's very kind
1: so to sort of go back onto to your serious side of things, Mr. Simon Miller, yeah we have eight games uh, that you have given me that we're going to talk yes. about today. These are the Indeed. eight games that you would have with you for unfortunately the rest of your days as you <laughs> sat stranded in your hypothetical desert, deserted place. Only, yeah. What, what would you prefer, like a beach or like a spaceship in space? What what kind of hypothetical deserted place would you prefer to be playing these video games?
2: Well, let, let's go with a beach. I don't yeah. want to go into space. Yeah. yeah space, space. I'm not. I'm not a space guy. Yeah. I don't want to go to space. Okay. So let, let's say a beach.
1: Okay. So the uh, first game today we're going to talk about, um, I know, is from a franchise that you absolutely adore indeed yeah so we're gonna to listen to some music from this game and then we're gonna talk about it okay <music> So, Simon, your first game is Batman: Arkham City.
2: Damn right it is. Yep. Damn right. But now that will probably, if anyone is you know aware of my interest, that will come as everybody will be rolling their eyes now. But Batman: Arkham City is the game that people like. Well, I, I think there's a few of us out there who like Batman and like video games have wanted since since day one. Yeah, I mean, I've been playing. I, I, I've been playing Batman video games since I was, you know, five, six years old. You know, started with sort of Batman on the NES, and, and took it from there. And they're always, you know, if you take something like Batman the video game on the NES or, or yeah. the Game Boys, the one I played more, that was very much a game of its time in the sense the platformers were very big. So what we can do is we can take Batman and we can build uh, the, the platform genre around him. And you know what? It worked great. And it was fantastic to do something that I was so familiar playing with, with a character that I'd already begun to, you know, love, basically. Yeah. So, but ever since then, it's always been iterations of that. Like even Batman Returns that came out the snares. another game that I hold in, in huge regard was just Streets of Rage. Yeah, right? that... Because at the time, Streets of Rage yeah. was a big deal. Arcade
1: games such as Streets of Rage were, they, they spawned a hell of a lot of um, franchise games like Batman Forever, but they were good games, but they didn't... They didn't really have their own identity.
2: No, they didn't. They 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 were smart. Like all those Konami games are great in the sense. Yeah. Again, you know, they take your favorite character and they put you into this template that they've developed, which is very good. And yeah, very, very a template satisfying. that
1: works like it's, yeah. Automatically. And you can still play
2: Batman Returns today. Mm. Like, Batman Returns today is 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 a wonderful wonderful video game, but it's not a Batman video game, even though that he's in it. No, that yeah. Classic argument. It wouldn't be as good. As, but that's not true with those games. Yeah, you anybody in it, and they're good. Yeah. So. You know when Rocksteady started working on their Arkham, their Arkham games. I mean, Asylum was a huge eye opener. Yeah, I was going to say away. because
1: you said the that people like yourself, you know, self-confessed Batman fans, like Nerds. huge, yeah, huge Batman fans, <laughs> that City was the game that you'd waited for. So, what was it about Asylum that didn't? Was it that it didn't have the open world? Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, that,
2: that you just hit the nail on the head. Asylum is a great video game, but I mean, a lot of people disagree. I know this is an argument that goes on and will be happening right now. People will be going, "No, no, Asylum was the better game," and it, it, you could argue that it was the better video game. Yeah, in the sense that it's you know its level design was very clever and its structure was was ingenious in many ways, and it kind of had more of a hook to it. You know, you're you're continually going through Arkham Asylum, a yeah. place that you're you're familiar with if you're a fan, and it's you know, it's got different corners and, and depths to it that yeah. you can you can discover. Like by the time you get to that killer croc fight, and he's popping up from the water and stuff, yeah, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like a, a small prison or anything like that. It does feel like this huge huge courtyard yeah. almost. Asylum
1: is literally the biggest place that's contained within a building I think I've ever seen. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> it's so, so That's big. exactly it. Yeah, but
2: Batman has never been. I mean, there are some great comics that do this. Yeah. Batman as a
1: he swoops across, a across a the mon- city.
2: Exactly, as a more general idea yeah. is the watcher of Gotham City, the man that kind of broods on his clock tower. He doesn't he looks out on.
1: He doesn't like stalk in the shadows on the ground or hiding in the corners. He literally flies across the city watching exactly. over everything. And
2: um, City was the game the first game on a template that I still believe has years of life left in it that said, Here's your here's your world. You were Batman Go, go live. You know, it's a Batman simulator. Go be Batman, and yeah. it is a Batman simulator in the sense that you can ignore all the missions that are going on, the side quests, the collectibles, all of that stuff, and you can just swoop across that city. Yeah. And you look down on the streets of Arkham, and you'll see thugs beating people up. Yeah. You can choose to swoop down and intervene with that and stop it, or you can ignore it because that is the whole point. Now, obviously, if you're playing it properly, you swoop down. Batman doesn't let people <laughs> get
1: beaten up. But no, exactly. With that
2: said. You know, and, and you could do that to to, to a lesser extent in asylum, but you weren't you were at asylum to To stop the joking. Take, you weren't exactly you weren't
1: protecting people. You weren't exactly being the Batman. So City,
2: City really makes you feel like you know you are Batman. Go be Batman. And as someone who has been a fan of that character for twenty five years or whatever it's been, yeah, I, I can't I, I can't help. I, I, I played it. I remember. I don't. I've never been one of these people that sits that as a lie, actually, because I did it with all these games. But in general, <laughs> I like to play in short, quick bursts. bursts. I played Batman Arkham City for 11 hours today. I, I was obscene. That's
1: really funny, because as soon as you said that, I had flashbacks to the day of Arkham City's launch, because I really enjoyed Asylum. So I was very excited about Arkham City. And I really oh, yeah. I really like third-person action combat games. You know, Batman, mm-hmm. Devil May Cry, Bayonetta, similar games built around this third-person combat style where you keep yeah. your combos going and that kind of thing. So I was extremely excited to play Arkham City. I remember picking it up. 17 hours! <laughs> uh, well, 17 yeah, hours! Me. smashed I, me. I actually... This I've only done this with two games before, and one of them was Catherine for some reason. I don't know why, but it was, <laughs> I I, <laughs> it was just an odd puzzle game that I couldn't stop playing for ages. But yeah. I actually finished the main story of Arkham City in one day. and Yeah,
2: I did too. Yep, it, me too.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Yours was 11 hours. that's a lot quicker than me. <laughs>
2: I'm, I'm, I'm really good at being Batman. <laughs> I've been practicing for it for a long time. Hey, so, you know. hey
1: we know you've got those lats, man. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all good to go.
1: <laughs> yeah, so when
2: you mentioned yeah, so cast... on,
1: man. No, no, I was just going to say yeah, I remember I re- I loved it. I I remember the contrast between being in an asylum and, to si- and city was this huge open world where you could float between buildings and like you said you could stop people from getting beaten up by, you know, the Joker thugs and stuff like that. Uh and it it was it was amazing. You got you got to really be the Batman.
2: Exactly, and you mentioned the combat mechanic as well, and that's kind of, because a lot of people would go, well why do you, you know, why do you want this game from, on a desert island, and the combat mechanic to me is the real thing that keeps those games interesting long after you may kind of be done with missions and whatnot, because it's so satisfying and it's so therapeutic, yeah. I mean it's probably better in Arkham Knight, but you know, Arkham City came first, and I think mm. it's, it's just something special about City. and. I can keep going back to that combat mechanic. I can keep going back to those challenge rooms. I'm not necessarily very good at it, yeah, but it always piques my interest and it always makes me want to get better at it. And more importantly, it's always enjoyable. Yeah. It's never, ever worn out its welcome. No, and I, that's, that's I, a absolutely I absolutely agree. I absolutely
1: agree. Because I think one of the amazing things about the Rocksteady Batman games is after, like, I, I was one who didn't really care for the Riddler trophy stuff. I know a lot of people got very excited about that and they actually really yeah. enjoyed it. I didn't. So after I sort of finished the main game, I was doing all the other stuff apart from the Riddler uh, trophies. But the thing I kept going back to was the, the challenge rooms and trying to get mm. their like, highest combos with like, not even the, the fact that you got to be Batman, but you get to be Robin. And you get to be all these yeah. different you, characters, you, you get, and they yeah. all have different varieties. Like they built these characters with different move sets, different weapons, and like different variations. And you only get to use them in this small set, but there's so much detail, and it's so much fun to mm. try variations with them. Uh, it's, it's, true. it's superb. So exactly one thing about Asylum and City in difference was the story. Yeah. Um. And Arkham City was written by you know uh, the veteran batman comic book writer uh, paul dini
3: yeah
1: um but i kind of agree with most people that the ending of that game kind of a little bit soured the whole experience
2: the ending of city
1: yeah the ending of city
2: i like the ending of city yeah i think i think i think it's brave yeah, that uh, so is a weird word to use in relation to. to, are we allowed to spo- I don't know what the rule with spoilers is anymore because uh, I don't care about this, spoilers, but
1: this is a podcast about why you love these games and if you love the game right, because so. of the ending, then people Well, I have to I, deal I with I, that. I just
2: I just think that
1: it, it uh, oh, am uh,
2: just mumbling now, but anytime a game finishes, I want to be left feeling like it had an impact on me, some way, yeah. especially a game like Arkham City, because you're playing that game for 20 hours plus. Yeah. So by that point, there's only a few things that it can really do that are going to make you go, yes. Because a lot of the time, you know, the, uh, that classic saying, the journey can be tainted by what happens when you get to the destination. I mean, yeah. that was the problem everybody had with Bioshock, for example. Terrible last boss, and now it kind of, you know, makes me, makes me upset about the whole thing. <laughs> with, Ar- with Arkham City, I just think that ending of Batman carrying the Joker in his arms.
1: Yeah. Okay, that character... bit, I will agree was very good. I really enjoyed that bit. I think it was just a, oh, I, thought, I think it was just the boss fight before it that
2: Well, but boss fight, I mean I say this to everyone, you know, name me a developer that that, that is good at doing a boss fight. <laughs> it's just like I don't think boss fight. There's a few that do it very well. Capcom, for one, but yeah, other well, than that, it's, it's boss funny. fights don't need to exist.
1: I was actually speaking with someone about the other day about how we've sort of we've sort of moved on and completely forgotten about like the idea yeah. games used to work before, where you would play through a whole level or a stage that had a theme. Like you'd play in Mega Man and you'd have like a certain theme, or you'd play in Zelda, you'd have like a certain theme, whether it be like fire or water or anything and then you would have a boss at the end to symbolize the end of the stage whereas yeah. now you've got all these different video games where you can where you start and you don't go in a straight line you can literally go wherever you want that the the almost the design of the game is around the player's journey and having yeah. these boss fights sort of is kind of like an archaic way of game design now there isn't many apart from like i think so apart from like dark souls Uh, or the soul series where fighting a boss at the end of a level is a very important part of what makes the game's identity Mm.
4: yeah exactly i think a lot of people have lost experience
1: people have lost i think the last game i remember where boss fights were sort of a big deal and it, it kind of dawned on me that we were sort of seeing less and less games with bosses being an end of level thing was resident evil 4
2: yeah, I think that's fair. And then that's probably something I'm in between, but yeah. no, I think in terms of AAA games, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I think, like, because even with the games in, like, uh, the Arkham City games, it's sort of almost like a mid-boss fight where it's just a larger enemy.
2: I do I do think that Rocksteady tend to game their games too much. You know, they, they, they kind of think, what should we do here? Well, let's go through the, the video game history guide and yeah. see what we should let's, do. Let's I lock th-
1: off this area, throw loads yeah. of enemies in, have Batman beat all the enemies up, then we'll unlock the area, and then you can progress.
2: Exactly, and I don't think those games need to do that. At the same token, yeah, I, I, I you know, it never bothered me, never bothered me. I would say that you know, out of all three of those games, the the low points are definitely when you have to fight bosses. But with that said, they never impacted my experience of the game so much that I felt like they deserved to be knocked down or anything okay. like that. And I think that's, I think that's the key here, and that's why I'm kind of happy to. Especially, like I say, the ending of Arkham City ends with Batman walking out with the Joker dead. It's like, who cares what I just did before this? Yeah, like, you know, it's like same. With this Knight is exactly as well as what solution. I wanted
1: to see. This is this is exactly. This is impactful and um,
2: and will stay with me. It's going to yeah. stay with me a lot long after I've turned off the power of this machine. So even if I had to fight some some stupid, it's irrelevant. I got through it. it. It wasn't too difficult. Okay, it wasn't as as you know as high as some of the yeah. highs of this game, but it, it doesn't matter. And I um. Uh, maybe I'm too quick to forgive. It's probably maybe. true, but you know what? I, I'm happy, Usually
1: I'm happy I am to do too. That. Usually I'm very, well, very... I, I, it doesn't take away from the experience. That game is still... That's it. I think the worst thing about that game was that terrible Game of the Year box art that they bought out that was the only hey man, negative got, thing I can think about in that game.
2: you got, you got to sell this stuff. Yeah. you got, you, got, you got to sell your video games with numbers <laughs> that just stamped oh, all over the god, box. Oh god,
1: that box art was absolutely horrific. That was
2: a, that was a bit strange. A yeah. bit of a strange choice. But hey, maybe it worked. Maybe, maybe yeah, they may, got the numbers maybe back. Maybe it, like, yes, well, uh, it did. The job.
1: It's, from what I can tell from when I was researching about and looking back at it, um, it's the highest reviewed Batman game of all time, so yeah, it's surprising. got to stand for something. Um, yeah, well, just I, quick, quick a question actually. A quick question yeah. actually. Did you ever go back and play through the story? I, I imagine you went and played through it again. But did you play on like the hardest difficulty?
2: I did. That's again. It's another testament to those games because I never do New Game Plus. I think New Game Plus is like, the worst idea ever that made. Game it's like, is I very, very
1: hard on the. Oh man, it's, it's insane. It's. It is very, very hard. <laughs> I remember. But, I, trying to trying to get through the hardest difficulty on that game some at some points it was so frustratingly difficult
2: yeah oh don't get me wrong man like it, it was no walk in the park yeah but again it's because i enjoyed the template so much and the foundations that they built I was like, I do want the challenger going back through that like, stuff I enjoyed on a harder difficulty. I want to see if I can do it now. Don't get me wrong, I gave up pretty quick because I can't do this good <laughs> But the fact that it, it it kind of you know left that carrot dangling for me. Like they never do that. New, new game plus pops up on games. like, I'm not doing a new game plus. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I'm done. But I'm done. I've, one, I've spent. Yeah, I'm hours done. Here. That's the thing, but to yeah. me, it was a way to justify going back in, and I wanted that justification, and that, that's why I rated so highly.
1: That's fantastic. Okay, well, that's really good. I think that was a good game to start with. That was a really good game. Oh, that was the best.
2: That, that game, apart from technical, you know, limitations as, as yeah. we progressed throughout the years, that game will be wonderful forever.
1: Oh, fantastic. Okay, well, we're going to move on to your second game. So, let's listen to some music from the second game. Simon, the next game on your list was released in November 2009. Um, it's developed by Bioware, and it was the, it was the first in its series. Mm. It's uh, Dragon Age Origins,
2: <laughs> the only good one in the series as well. <laughs>
1: I I kind of agree. My girlfriend would um, she would disagree because she really likes the Dragon Age series.
2: But, no, I
1: understand. I, I like the other two as well, but Origins. They're so different. It's very hard to think of like Because um, Dragon's Age Origin, you know, it started out as a spiritual successor to Baldur's Gate. Yeah. And a Baldur's Gate is a top down, turn based RPG. <laughs> exactly. Whereas yeah, then you now, now you look at Inquisition, and it's, it's a. It, yeah, it's kind of. Kind of
2: weird Assassin's Creed open world game or something, yeah. It's
1: It's like Assassin's Creed where you can sort of pause the combat and issue moves, but then you do them in real time anyway. It's, it's,
2: I mean, I I don't don't really get where the the Dragon Age series went, but the first one is wonderful. I mean, it's just, it's it's weird as well because I remember when uh, Dragon Age Origins got reviewed on, it was on when I was um, running X360 Max a, a long, long time ago now. Yeah. But I remember the guy the guy we sent out to do it, a man by the name of David Lynch, he he came back from, uh, I think he went out to Bioware to, to review it. And he came back and he said to me, I want to go, give this game a nine. You're going to love it. Now, the only exposure I would had to this game, we used to do a DVD on X360 magazine was this, we used to put trailers on that DVD. Oh, okay, so I remember is, those is days. This is a different world. Yeah. <laughs> but um, And I remember I'd seen this awful, awful gameplay clip of some dudes, you know, with swords, just hacking away at this shit-looking dragon. And I was like, <laughs> this there's, this looked awful. What are bioware of doing. But he came back and said to me, Miller, you're going to love this game. And I thought he was nuts. I said, there's no way. I've seen that. I've seen my 45-second clip. <laughs> I've, already, I've already judged it. There's no way I'm going to like it. But, you know, so many people said to me, no, seriously, Millie, you're going to love this game. I sat down and I played it. And, you know, shame on me and, and more respect to them. They were 100% yeah. right. It's just... He was- in, it's just amazing right like, it's, in, it's an incredible just, game it is and not just the fact because you have your six origin stories and that kind of can shape your mm. your own experience i mean it, it doesn't have too much of an influence on the game but it does make you feel like this is your game and you're progressing yeah. through it but it is to me bioware's well joint par first moment in terms of their dynamic storytelling yeah and surprising you with twists and turns and letting you choose which way which way you wanna go. You know, it had a cast of characters that were genuinely interesting and I wanted to find out about more. Like I wanted to know who these people were. It had a story that was I wanted to see how it was gonna play out in you know, a very, very simple save the world. You know, save the world yeah. storylines are always yeah. good. And the combat, for what it was, I know a lot of people said, you know, I played on Xbox three sixty. A lot of people said oh, I was much better on PC. But it worked. It was that perfect amalgamation between, you know, real time yeah and, and strategic and strategic combat that worked for me perfectly. And he just did a great job of sinking his teeth in and going, "You don't want to stop playing this game." You I, like, no, I don't want to stop.
1: I have no, to. No, exactly. What's and it was it was really strange because I remember picking it up and uh, I I don't know about you, but I'm a I'm a sucker for that sort of fantasy saying. Like it's heavily. Me too. Insp- I never thought I yeah. was, but I am. Yeah, it's heavily inspired by you know Lord of the Rings, and the, it's funny thinking back now because you don't think about it now, but uh, I remember the guys from Bioware um, saying that it was inspired by. You know, a song of fire and ice, which is Game of Thrones,
4: yeah, and Dragon's Age,
1: yeah, Dragon's Age, you know, came before the TV series, so you can see they obviously did a lot of reading and research, and you can you can almost you can feel the that they were having fun with creating this new fantasy world because they made Baldur's Gate and they were already well versed in the fantasy genre, but Dragon's Age almost seemed a bit more like the game we'd been waiting for since Lord of the Rings came out. It was the it was the fantasy true, yeah. action RPG that people yeah. like me, who really like fantasy, were waiting for.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, if you whack Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings on that game and just kind of update the licenses, I don't think anybody blinks an eye, really. I think it's on par with those kinds of things in terms of the story it tells and the yeah. world it created. And it's just... I don't know... It's, I guess the real reason it stays with me to this day is because of the choices it had you made. Like it, didn't, it really didn't pull any punches with those. It was, I mean, started off a bit like, you know, do you want to go left or right? But eventually it was like, you know, do you want this person to live or die? <laughs> and, and even now, not a lot of games, I don't know whether it's bravery or not, but don't want to do that. And I like doing stuff like that because I like kind of having my natural moral consciousness yeah. challenged by a video game. I mean, that's way too over the top, but it's true. Because you may be trying to play through the game in a certain way, like, you know, in my real life I'm a very quiet, nice man, so in this game I'm (laughs) going to be an aggressive asshole and run around Maybe that's what you want to do, but when you get to these decisions, even though they're not real, it doesn't really matter what you do, Dragon Age Origins does a good enough job of making you buy in that you do sit there and go, well, I don't want to kill a kid. (laughs) <laughs> that's not something i want I mean, it doesn't matter no one cares you know the cops aren't going to turn up at your dog yeah. i think you killed a digital child
1: well it's like what her. you said before you, you you like having games that make an impact on you personally exactly yeah exactly and did, there's it. nothing more impactful than a game displaying a bad thing happening because of a choice you made
2: exactly and it's not like all these choices are the smartest thing ever like one of the last choices is do you want to impregnate the half dressed female with the demon baby? You know, that's, that's, that's not exactly like the top stuff, but the way in which it's presented to you, given the context you have with the characters you've spent, you know, 30 hours with, it does become an impactful choice. It's like because, well, I don't necessarily want to give birth to, to the end of the world, but yeah. at the same time, XYZ. And I just yeah. think, you know, making sense of making sense of stupid things. Within a fantasy world that you don't even second guess, like, yeah, of course that would happen. It's, d- is, is, is it, is, is ama- it's an amazing thing to do, and it shows that. I mean, I. This is. People hate this, but I genuinely think, Mass Effect 1 and 2 aside, that ever since those games, Bioware seems to have gone off in a completely, and in my opinion, not particularly better direction. And I find it very strange. Because here, in Origins, I just think they're firing on all cylinders.
1: You see, it's funny because I. Put Dragon Age Origins and Mass Effect 2 on the same level. I Mass Effect 2. If if we were role reverse now and you were interviewing me, I think I would have put Mass Effect 2 on this list for me. Yeah, and I would be saying the same things, but it's just different setting. I think that era almost of Bioware that that time. In which Bioware were they were making their Mass Effect games. They made Dragon Age Origins. They were coming off the back of like games like Kotor, Jade Empire, um, Baldur's Gate. They they'd they'd already made fantastic games, and they were a, you yeah. know a relatively they they've been around for a long time, but they were a relatively young studio. But then as soon, oh, yeah. as soon as they got more experience, they made these games. They made Dragon Age Origins and they made Mass Effect Two, and I think. One of, the, one of the things I've always argued for in terms of storytelling in video games, you've got games like The Last of Us, um, these emotional games that they, they drive home emotional points to you consistently through a very short narrative, like a 10-hour narrative, or sometimes yeah. even shorter. But I think what's amazing about games like Dragon Age Origins is you have this game that already has a superb story and this superb world. But what it does is it gives you a 100 hours of video game where you grow attached to these characters around you. Yep. And then it asks you to do either horrible things to impact those characters, (laughs) things where the person you've... And the funny thing about video game is we always root for the characters who help us out the most that one character that gets like a critical hit on a boss when you've got no life left or that one guy that survives until the end and gets you through it you you have a fourth wall connection with these characters not in terms of story but like in the gameplay as well and you spend so many hours with them that games like especially the ones with bioware they ask you these choices and Sometimes you sit there for like five minutes, staring at the choices on your screen. Oh and man, like,
2: that's the best—not touching the controller just, I just in case you pick the wrong one. I just
1: I, this this i have got I'm I'm eighty hours in now, and I can't go back now. Like exactly, as soon as I, I make this choice, I cannot go back. And
2: and you know that the, even though they're not real and they're digital characters, that they'll judge you as well. Now they will their <laughs> opinion will shift depending <laughs> on what you do. So if you are like it's a role playing game, right? That's the the whole point of it. If the whole point
1: it, is your role playing, yeah.
2: Exactly. So if you can buy into that, then you do have to think about all these things. It's like, well if I do that, Alistair is not gonna like me, but Morrigan's opinion of me will fly through the roof. But Yeah that then relates to this and that. It's like, where do I want to go in my weird digital life that I've just created <laughs> for myself? And for a video game to be able to, to make me care about anything like that, I think deserves, deserves a shelter. Yeah. Now, you know, it's not necessarily that the, has the most replayability in the world, aside from, like I say, the six origin stories. Yeah. But in terms of impact it had on me playing games and, like I said, making me realise what I actually want from a modern day video game, which I've now learned to be, you know, story choices, dialogue, characterisation, yeah. all that kind of stuff. It really does stand head and tails above above all else. And every time I look back on it, it's just it's just all it's just all fun memories, all good memories, nothing bad about it at all.
1: Yeah, that's that's superb. Wow, well, that was Dragon Age Origins. That's uh, that's really good. We're starting to get onto the trend about these impactful games and looking at the they're list all like this, as yeah. we go on. Yeah, they're all very similar. Yeah. So we might as well. <laughs> they are. Yeah. So we will we're gonna get onto the next game, which is very very similar it's a, an rpg as well um Indeed. so yeah so we're gonna listen to some music from that too So, the next game on your list, Simon, is The Elder Scrolls Oblivion. It was... You know, Bethesda's hugely successful follow-up to Morrowind, which in its own way was incredibly successful and... It changed RPGs. It was this 3D world, first-person combat, and then Oblivion came out. It was... uh, Every time I think of Oblivion, I think of it as being the first big AAA game of the last generation. Of of the yeah, of I, the I 360 of, people, yeah. of the 360 and the PS3 generation. That when I think of Oblivion, I think of it as being I I forget that it wasn't a launch title with the Xbox 360. Yeah. A, a lot of people get that confused, I think, because they think it came out. It came out what five months after the Xbox Three Sixty. I guess it launch. came out within the launch
2: window. You could argue. Yeah, it, yeah, it, like it came. It came later, out but...
1: within the launch window. It came out before the PS Three came out, so it was, yeah, exactly. it was definitely in that time. You know, and it follows this the player's story as they try and stop that uh, the mythical Dawn Cult from opening the gates to Oblivion, like the realm of Oblivion. You know, and it reviewed incredibly well on launch yeah. and. It's funny thinking like where when the PS4 and the Xbox One came out, we didn't. It, it, there's so many game launches through the years where for a few months it's been so stagnant of content. Like the the launch video games that come out have always been of a, a, subpar, a subpar quality, I think is fair to say. Yeah. You know, you've got your Wii Sports and your sort of. You know, your, your Kinect games and that kind of thing recently. But. Oblivion was huge. It was absolutely oh, huge,
2: it, it literally as well. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> the, the, the world was yeah. insane. I mean, it, it, it's funny because somebody once said to me, asked me if I like fantasy RPGs, and I said no. And now we're we're three three games into the list, and two have been fantasy <laughs> RPGs. So it was obviously a lie. Why I said yeah. that, I have no idea. So,
1: so do you like uh, as a side to like these? Do you do you read like many fantasy novels today? They-
2: no, not massively. This is the no. weird thing. But it's, 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 you I, mean, just, I, I read through yeah. Lord of the Rings as a kid and I thought, yeah, yeah it's all right. Yeah? But these games, I think Oblivion especially was one of those games that was very right time, right place. I okay. had you know, a lot of, um, I was in my first, you know, my ever first job, I was working at, at Sony as a copywriter, as I said, as we said earlier, sorry. And, yeah. you know, I just, it's weird, actually. It's, so many things came together to make Oblivion's experience that I look back at, like, just one, you know, nothing but love. Did I, it? I had did, a, it I had
1: a, did it help? Like, what was the transition between like you going from Sony to work? At a, You know, X360 magazine. Was it like like games like Oblivion that came out that were like, oh, did, you know, look what the Xbox 360 is doing? Like,
2: well, I, originally I always wanted to do journalism. Was always my first point of uh, point of call. You know, that's always what I wanted to do, and I'd I'd applied for. Uh, position on official Nintendo magazine had just gone to Future and not got it. Oh, okay, and I just happened to see. I, I saw an advert uh, come up for you know, do you want to write instruction manuals for PS3 and PS uh, PS2 and PS3 games? I was like, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> somehow managed to to manage to worm my way into it. So it was kind of one of those things where even throughout my tenure doing that, I was always on the lookout for you know other games, other journalism jobs. But like I said, I was working with Sony, and Sony uh, once a year sending an email out. Well, they may not do it anymore. It's been almost it's been over ten years since I worked there. Now <laughs> they sent an email out to all their employees saying, you know, it's the end of the year. We're getting rid of our back stock, and because you're our employees, you get first dibs of it. So one of the things they were selling was a fifty inch. It was a rear projection HD TV. That's how old it was. Oh, one but of those
1: big chunky things.
2: Yeah, but I mean, it's still an HD TV. Yeah, you know, I, I one, of one of the one of the first generation. Yeah, Yeah. so I was like, and it was incredibly cheap. Like, its RRP was well over a thousand pounds. I got it for 150, 200 quid. Something, like, just (laughs) disgusting that makes other people mad. Those
1: employee benefits.
2: Exactly, and I got that and my Xbox 360 within a very short time of each other, and I got Oblivion. So, you know, I'd never really played the other Elder Scrolls games. I'd always wanted to, especially Morrowind. I always thought Morrowind looked interesting. Yeah. So I sat down with my Super HD tech setup. You know, I had free time on my hand to sink into this game. And I'd never really experienced anything like an Elder Scrolls game. And it all just came together to make me go, this is, you know, this is incredible. Especially that whole, you know, it's cliche to say now. But when you walk out of the sewers, and the game just goes, go where you want. You know, you've got a marker here that will help progress the story. But you don't have to follow that.
3: Yeah. You can go left, you can go
2: right. We don't care. You choose what you want to do. And that sense of freedom. Because I remember when I was going through the sewers of Oblivion, I remember thinking, this game is rubbish. I bought it based on reviews and, and kind of hype, and I was going, yeah. it, "This is awful! I don't, it feels like some horrible PC game from from 15 years ago." But you know, once you've you just get you've just
1: that- you've just listened to Captain Picard talk to you for a bit, and now you just you're just walking through yeah. these sewers, not yeah, knowing what like, the hell's going on. No, and
2: I was, you know, I've always been such a Nintendo fanboy as well, so it's like this is the complete opposite to to my weird, colorful kids games that I've been playing. But then. <laughs> As soon as it sinks its teeth into you, it's like that's it. That's it. It's like the freedom, the world, the story, uh, the combat, everything about it was just I just loved it. And the ambience, I know that's a weird thing too, but the yeah. music and the ambience and the atmosphere it created was just, you know, these moments of calm and the music would, would match it perfectly. Even the stuff that people don't like, I I look back on with nothing but but high regard like you know they've got three voice actors to do every character in the game but i love that about it, it gives which it is a, certain... a
1: huge contrast to you know dragon's age which we were just talking about dragon's age had like 144 voice actors
2: well yeah exactly but that to me is one of the things that makes oblivion so special is that you see some guy in the street you say hello to him and you talk to the guy next to him, it's the same voice actor it's ridiculous <laughs> but it works and i just think that expansive nature and like i so said the, the atmosphere especially of you know, you really did feel like you were in this this living, breathing place. And it just had so much content to give. You go back to it every time. and You know, it was the first game, Bethesda game, that I played. So this whole thing of okay. just go over, over here. I think it was the first Bethesda game I played. Anyway, yeah. the first one that had it made an impression on me. But their classic thing of, why don't you go in this cave? And you go in this cave and you find this incredible story. That you could have just missed if you ignored the cave. And that's it now. I don't care about the main mission. It's so I don't care funny. about the side mission I was doing. I just care about this cave. Yeah, and that to me was,
1: was was awesome. It's so funny you say this because going back to like the most recent video I made uh, on my own uh, it's a video about Fallout 4 and I talk about sort of exactly the same points you're saying where like even with Fallout 4 one of the strongest points especially in Bethesda games is the just you get to a point where you go through this very linear experience and then all of a sudden it stops and yeah. you have this whole world in front of you this 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 literally this just this whole realm of possibility in front of you where you can go in any direction like any direction and you will stumble across various points you will stumble across this one guy who's sitting next to like a hut or and you just speak to him and then all of a sudden for 6 hours you're doing this this rabbit hole of of quests and combat, exactly. just because yeah. of this one guy, and it's got nothing to do with what's going on in the main story or anything like that.
4: Mm.
2: That's it, and I just that that constant sense of I don't know what's coming next. I mean, it, I mean, it really got me. I played that game for 301 hours. <laughs> and the, only reason I, the only reason I remember that is because I bought all the DLC, I'd done all the side quests, and I remember. Sitting there, trying to get more out of it, and going, you know what? There's nothing else I can do. And I remember saving that game and looking at three hundred one and thinking, I think I can probably leave this this game <laughs> I, alone
1: now. there's I, probably I, more yeah, than enough. I think I think I'm done. I think I... exactly exactly. And it's <laughs> but just you're, and that's like, why... you're like hesitant to put the controller down. Am, am well, I, that's it because this could be the am last I,
2: time I yeah. ever I ever play. And, that Bethesda template, I still think is wonderful. But as Fallout 4 really showed me last year, is that I'm kind of, I'm done with it now. Yeah. If Fallout 4 was the first Bethesda game I played, I'd imagine I'd feel the same way I did about that as I did Oblivion. But it, it does have diminishing mm. returns for me. So that's what I mean about right place, right time. That was the first game of that I played. I it's, was the right age. I had yeah. the free time. And that's why, when I look back at games that really had made an impression on me, because, you know, I mean, so far, we've gone through three games. They're all three Xbox 360 games. I've been playing games since I was... You know, kill you know, that, yeah, can I have a know Yeah, it's
1: really that, funny actually because think- a lot of the games on your list are games that are fairly recent.
2: Yeah, but I, I think it's mostly because I have gotten to the point now where I'm a pretentious asshole, and I prefer <laughs> games that make an impact on you know on me emotionally almost, rather than yeah. You kind of I still love the score attack stuff. Like Tetris is not on my list, but. You know, it was so close to being on my list because I believe Tetris to be the perfect video game. Yeah. Especially if you're on a desert island, you can oh, play that absolutely. game forever, and it's never going to get yeah. boring. But you know, in terms of a, of a podcast like this, the the games I always feel myself gravitating towards are yeah. the ones that had an impact on my personality can't, and on my life. You
1: can't really talk about Tetris in a way. Where, you know, I spent three hundred hours playing this game because I I spoke to this one guy and I ended up going down a cave and then I, I defeated a giant spider that had these babies and these babies were like <laughs> exactly. having these other well, babies it. and it, like, it just keeps in, in going many, and going and going and
2: in many ways, Tetris is probably on everybody's list. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like if you're on a desert island, make sure you pick oh, exactly. Tetris with you. Well, okay, what else?
1: I think if you're gonna be on a desert island, you definitely pick large RPGs like, you know, Oblivion and well, Dragon's Age Origins.
2: But it's just oblivion is just like I say. I look back on my on my gaming gaming life, for lack of a better term, my my gaming bibliography. Yeah. It's just is all. It's just I remember it with nothing but nothing but fondness. That's fantastic. Like, I just, I just, and I remember that's kind of when I've always liked games, but maybe at that point I kind of had a lull with them. Nothing was really was really clicking with me. And that game, yeah, you know, it completely justified my purchase of my Xbox three hundred and sixty, and I was just like, this is you know, I'm never ever gonna. Getting... I, I think I knew at the time like. I'm never going to have this experience again, because I'm going to get old. I'm going to have responsibilities. I may as well enjoy this. I make it sound like I played this game when I was 12. 12.
1: (laughs) So what did you, as a quickly tangent, what did you think of Skyrim then? Because obviously Skyrim came off on the back of Oblivion, and Fallout 3 had come in between both of them. And I remember, uh, I've... (laughs) Obviously I've played video games all my life and I've followed video game news and whatever very closely for a large part of my life and I don't remember anything being more hyped up than Skyrim at the time. Mainly yeah, no, due true. just mainly due to how successful Oblivion was. So yeah. how did you feel about Skyrim then?
2: I liked Skyrim. I thought it was good, but I, I liked Fallout Three more. And I liked Oblivion more than that, because okay. by the time Skyrim came out, you know, I mean, I played, like I say, I played Oblivion for 301 hours. I think I put over 100 hours into Fallout.
1: Yeah, Fallout, so 3, was,
2: playing... Fallout 3 was, oh, was my
1: amazing. my Oblivion. It was... Like, I think it was a lot of people's, yeah. Yeah, I, I played Oblivion, but I didn't own a copy, so I wasn't able to sink into it like I did with Fallout 3. And then when I played Fallout 3, it was like this whole, like, oh my god, where has this game been all my life? moment that i'm sure oblivion was for you
2: yeah and that's why skyrim which i think if you look at it you know like for like is arguably a better game i I kind of finished the main quest and then i was done with it because at that point it felt too much like oblivion to me or too much like fallout 3 to me yeah you know because although although the settings are different and the stories are different you know the idea and, and the mechanics are the same but like I say, the, the the impact and the surprise had been uh, had watered down a little bit, and that's on me. That's not on the game. Yeah. That's on on my expectations and, and kind of my obsession with the earlier ones. And that kind of you know goes down here as well with New Vegas and Fallout Four. You know, each one was just a little bit less than than the other one. So by the time Skyrim came out, I thought it was great. I enjoyed it, but you know it, it couldn't live up to. Because it was just Oblivion 2. I mean, it was. Maybe that will wind some people up the wrong way. But it, it was just, you know, a sequel to Oblivion. And it worked. And it was great.
1: Yeah, it was and very it was, it much Bethesda had learned from Fallout 3 and from Oblivion with Skyrim, yeah. And then they created this game where it had Oblivion settings and it had Oblivion themes. But it definitely had the sort of questing style that Fallout 3 yeah, had. And
2: they didn't have Oblivion Gates either. Don't get me wrong; The Oblivion <laughs> Gates were awful after a while. So I don't want to do this again. But they don't matter. Once again, you look back. I don't think about that. I think their versions. I think, their, the versions cool of, I I think
1: their versions of the Oblivion Gates were just the dragons that randomly appeared. Well, to yeah. yeah, that's true.
2: That's true. That was cool. That was really, really cool. Yeah. But well, it was a big fucking know, dragon,
1: so. Yeah, <laughs>
2: it's never a bad thing. But I'd done it by then. I'd done it. Yeah. I'd done it all in oblivion. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, and all all of oblivion's DLC was the, was the Shivering Isles. Is, is I think is the, some of the best DLC that's ever been done. Yeah. So, or expansion, really. But either way, I mean, especially yeah, when just, think, just wonderful.
1: Especially when you think back to, you know, it was uh, two thousand and six. There was still games for you know PS two coming out, and the graphical leap and the the limitations. Yeah, that's it. Were just miles apart. The world. Yeah. The world they built with Oblivion was just nothing was like it at the time.
2: No, it felt like a step forward, and I think that's another yeah. huge help to making it feel like an impactful game because you put all this money down, all this technology. Yeah. But you kind of feel justified because you know, well, I couldn't have done this on my Xbox or my PS2. Yeah. You know, this is this has been specifically built yeah. for this hardware. I mean, PCs out of it, but I was never much of a PC guy, so
3: yeah.
1: You know,
2: it's uh, it, that that definitely helped without a shadow
1: of a doubt. Okay, fantastic. Well, we're going to move on to your next game. Um, so let's listen to some music. Okay, so the next game on your list is a game that personally for me means a lot as well. Hmm. And one of the first games, I think, uh, when this game came out, I, I was 15, so I was playing a lot of games on the PS2. And yeah. I was playing, you know, Gran Turismo, and I was playing Grand Theft Auto, and many RPGs as well. But this game. I, I think it's one of the first games to ever make me, like, l- legitimately very upset and very sad. Yeah. So, this is Shadow of the Colossus.
2: Imagine you said Pac-Man, then. How good would that have been? Yeah, Pac-Man. yeah. Maybe legitimately sad.
1: <laughs> and I'm talking about MotoGP05. <laughs> <laughs> sad.
2: Sad times for us all. Yeah. Oh,
1: that falling off the bike. Oh, legitimately exactly, upsetting. Man.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, so... I mean, Shadow of the Colossus is... Oh. Is probably the most, uh, just the most unique game ever. Well, absolutely. You know,
1: developed by Team Ico, the guys who were obviously in charge of Ico. It was directed by Fumito Ueda, who is surprisingly well known for very few games, obviously, due to, you know, stuff like The Last Guardian not ever happening. (laughs) Um, But just huge, cult classic. Like, if ever yeah. a word could describe a video game, cult classic is aimed towards games like Shadow of the Colossus.
2: That's true, and I think in many ways it kind of defines my list as a whole because you know it's all I, I, I kind of gravitate towards games that are a bit different, a bit weird, and uh, well not weird. Weirds the wrong word, but have like I said have an emotional impact. Yeah. on Yeah, I don't think any game does it because the best thing about Shadow of the Colossus is it tells you nothing. It, I mean, it's I was excited about it.
1: It's literally speechless most of the time.
2: Exactly, and there's no kind of real uh, mapping or anything, or anything, no. like, or direction, or anything like that. I mean, I knew I, I was excited about it anyway because I played, I heard all the hype about ICO, and I was like, yeah. I've got, I played that. And I thought ICO was, you know, I put them both on this list, but I'd rather I think Shadow of Colossus is the better game. And ICO was um, was incredible, you know. So just like the way it made you care about, you know, the people, the girl that you were trying to save. Like, you genuinely have fear when those yes. shadow things came up from the ground to try and stop them. And Shadow Colossus just took that idea and built on exponentially. Like it is just a game where you take on sixteen giant puzzles. I mean, that's it. That's the that's video it. game. It's a and game
1: those... where you are you and you don't realize you you're tricked into.
4: Well, exactly. Yeah, that's the basically
1: other thing. you know stepping over this void, this this place, this forbidden place where you can't, you're not allowed to go. You've, you've never been allowed to go, but you are desperate to save the, You know, your <laughs> your partner like i don't know what is mono like to wonder like the boyfriend girlfriend who knows uh, yeah exactly that's, that's it, what i love that's yeah what the I love. game the game doesn't reta- all you all you know is there's like there's a loving relationship between the two of them whether it's brother and sister or boyfriend and girlfriend whatever but yeah. so much that wonder he, he goes and his he'll do anything and he's told to go and defeat these very specific 16 colossi and be- that's all you do
2: there's nothing you know,
1: else to get, it's a of Love.
2: you know he wants to bring his <laughs> close, close friend or whatever she is you know, back yeah. to life and he's willing to do you know i think that's kind of weird for as weird as the game is anyone can understand that mm. you know i uh, this person that's close to me i want to bring them back from the dead and i will do it go to any lengths you know there's no meatloaf here it's not like i won't do that it's like no i will do that and no i, I will I'll do that do whatever you tell me to do that. yeah i won't I just w-
1: do that i'll do that on top of 50 foot monsters
2: exactly i'll the do anything my own life <laughs> and i think that you know the first monster that you see the best the thing that shaman the colossus gets right from start to finish is its sense of scale yes like you get to the foot of that first colossi and you look up it up and you're like flipping it you know it's yeah. something you want to show your mates almost like look yeah. at this and then it doesn't sort of it has there are hints and whatnot but for a good while, it's just figure it out figure out the controls yeah. figure out how you climb figure out how you don't get thrown off figure out how you stab you know this thing in the head with your little yeah. knife.
1: How are you, and, how are you how are you meant to defeat this thing like you have Exactly A sword a uh, a bow and arrow eventually That's it like That's it that's, and that's it you don't it's not it, like, it, um, it never it never it never gives you any help text or anything that says hey look there's a big giant spot on the top of its head like Stab this. Yeah, and you win. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's very figure it out. Visual. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's very visual in the way it, it, it kinda of tells you what to do. And again, this is why I keep coming back to with all these things, you know. The the world building and the atmosphere and the ammo and all that kind of stuff is just you can lose yourself in it. Yeah. I think that's kind of been the theme with all my games so far, is that you can suspend your disbelief, you can lose yourself in it, you can you can buy in to what's being presented to you, even if it is this bizarre, mythical place that obviously isn't real. And so the Colossus keeps his interest there by how varied all its different, uh, you know, beasts are. Yeah. And you know, and then, obviously, he introduces the horse as well, so there is an emotional connection with yeah, that. Yeah, aggro. Yeah. It, exactly. And it's just, it, from start to finish, it never really veers off what, you know, it, it, Hour 8 isn't that different from Hour 1. You haven't really, no. you, you haven't you've been introduced to any new weapons, there's not, a twist in the story or anything like that. Like, the only, the only the thing you line. sort of...
1: The only thing you... It, it, as you said, it's a visual game because the only thing you notice is that Wanda, the character you're playing, he sort of... He kind of visually degrades. He looks... Yeah. He he becomes more and more worse for wear. He, like... He's got, like, dirt all over him. He's sort of, like, starting to, like, have, like, weird lines all over his face and that kind of thing. That's the only thing you've got to go by.
2: Exactly. And I just it, it's... It's such... It's one of those games that you play and go, "This could only be a game." I don't want to watch this on a screen. I don't want to read this. In the yeah, book. You, yeah. You know, I, I want to play it. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons it's so successful. And also, you know, Team ICO are very clever with its with its boss design. No boss feels the same. Yeah, and it's, they're not really bosses either because a boss is also a platforming section, or it's also some weird race. So it's also they're like
1: some- they're like this. They're like an, a living embodiment of. Video game design—they—they are yeah, are levels. Like, they're a living level. They—they they are boss fight. They're combat sections. They're platforming sections. All into this one giant huge monster.
2: Yeah, and it just you know, you could give that template to anybody else, and they yeah. would not have done it as successfully as these guys. And you know, it's a game you can still play today. Yeah, it's a bit. It's did, a bit you, did you the play the? the did
1: Did you play the HD remake that came out? Yeah, on the yeah, PlayStation? yeah,
2: yeah. No, I went, I went. back to it. Yeah, yeah. I thought you know, it's, it's just as good as I remember. Yep. I think that's one of the other reasons I love it so much. Because like, yeah, you gotta get used to the controls, but you get used to them after a while. Yeah, funny. exactly.
1: Because I remember it's really funny because once once you've played it, it's it's very easy to go back and like play through it again because it, it never really deviates it's from as you said from like the first Colossus to like the last Colossus. It's always it's always the same. And I remember I remember playing the HD version, uh, strangely enough, for the first time at uh, the Eurogamer Expo in like. 2011 or something a long time ago and i just remember picking it up and just remembering everything and just standing there and taking on the first colossi and being wildly upset all over again the the needless killing of these wonderful monsters just because of this trick or and this story is it still sticks yeah like as you said it sticks with you
2: and it's the music as well i think oh, it's really an, an unsung part of that game is yes the music ties in so well to everything that you're doing and you know it always sounds ridiculous but it's true music is the best thing at making you feel emotional that kind
1: absolutely of stuff, used
2: in the right way and that game does it perfectly I mean, yes it's, it's if someone said review it now i'd say it get to 10 you know <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those games that you know some games maybe i've scored would lose points over the years as you look back and kind of reevaluate things but it's just a, it's so unique and it's so different and yet it still works on the way yeah. you expect a video game to work That yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's 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 brilliant and if if you're listening to this and you never played it go go and play it yes absolutely
1: i can't believe I you, you haven't played it, love it but yeah but
2: yeah but you may you may not love it but you'll get something out of it like it's it, it's just it's so unique and different that i i can't speak highly of it enough
1: if you haven't played it and you look at it now There is no game between now and then that is anything really like it. We're seeing more and more indie games now um, that are hitting on this sort of story game thing. Like, not in the same way as Shadow of the Colossus. We're seeing, like, most recently, especially at the time of recording, there's a game coming out now called That Dragon Cancer.
2: Yeah, yeah, I've been seeing a lot of people talking about it. Yeah, and
1: a lot of people are talking about that being a... You know, it's 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 not really a game. It's just this it this driven story by these all these emotional elements. And Shadow of the Colossus was ugh, one of those one of those games. It was the it was the, almost not. I wouldn't I wouldn't say the start, but it was definitely where the idea planted in terms of like here is a game that you can have everything a normal game has, like levels with platforming and combat, but you can have this wonderful story that is. Emotionally driven by music and setting and the world and just everything going on around it, that yeah. between the release of Shadow of the Colossus and now there hasn't there hasn't really been anything like it.
2: No, I don't think there ever will be either. Even I still don't know much about this other game, but I think that's Team ICO's, you know, because they've proven it twice. Yeah, they did it once with ICO and they did it against Shadow of the Colossus. I believe if the Last Guardian ever does come out, it will have the same impact. You know, they've kind of established a niche and they know what they're good at. And you can try and replicate it, but you'll never yes. get it quite as good. No. Well that's the thing, I that's what's that...
1: gonna be interesting about the Last Guardian, because that game has obviously been in development hell for so long. How did that game did that game start out like Shadow of the Colossus and then now is a completely different thing? It looks very similar, but is it more like a, more like a modern video game, like have they been told by Sony, you know, come on guys, This, this, these are the video games of today, you need to do a little bit more you can't be making games like Shadow of the Colossus, which is, it'll be interesting to see, that's for sure
2: Yeah, I mean, as long as it stands, you know stands onto itself, I think that's the most important thing, because you can't well, it's, it's, oh, I like Shadow of the Colossus, give me a game like it I like it, that's it You know, there's no <laughs> other games you can yeah. find out that really, that really stand to reason, so I think yeah. as long as it lives up to their reputation it doesn't necessarily have to be as good as long as it lives up to their reputation of what they yeah. do, then I think it'd be fantastic. But hey, you're probably never coming out anyway. So yep. you know
1: Well we'll see in like twenty twenty five or some nonsense anyway.
2: Oh <laughs> yeah. it doesn't come out this year. It's not coming out. That's my prediction. They said it's gonna come out this year. If they miss yeah. it again, that's it. Game well, it.
1: It's certainly be interesting. Especially with like oh, yeah. the, the the whole bringing it back, making a big deal out of it.
2: Exactly. You can't drop the ball. That's like the tenth time they'll drop the ball. And I think yeah. eventually you've got to go you've got to pull the plug and go, This yeah. is this is
1: silly. This is silly. And it, it's And it's not even like Sony said, um, Oh yeah, the last guardian, don't worry about it, it's still in development. They were like, Hey guys, remember that like mythological thing that you thought was cancelled that we kept saying was okay? Well guess what? Yeah, it's exactly.
3: coming it's coming out and... This year yeah. we're
1: making a huge deal out of it. Look at this demo. Look it's gonna be amazing. You remember Shadow of the Colossus? well? It's gonna be fucking great. So here you go. <laughs> but yeah. Well,
2: <laughs> if, if, if I haven't heard anything by E3, it's not happening. That's my gut feeling. <laughs> so we'll, well see Well, we'll definitely
1: see, won't we? Yeah. Okay. Indeed. Well, well, let's. Well, we're, we're going to move on to another very <laughs> story-driven game and a very a game.
2: <laughs> Surprise! Who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Who would have thought? Well, to be fair, there's one game on the, this list that. Well, it's maybe two games that, maybe sort of deviate from the the current trend we've got going on yeah so we're going to move on to the next game let's listen to some music again Okay, Simon, this is your second Bioware game. It is.
2: And, I mean, in many ways, it's for the same reason as, yeah. as, as Dragon Age. But, it's... you know, Knights of the And the weird thing is as well is I'm not that... I mean, I, I'm a Star Wars fan. I like Star Wars. Yeah. But I'm not a super Star Wars fan.
1: Okay, yeah, so... So it's, it's... a
2: bit weird that this game is on the list.
1: Yeah, so it's Knights of the Old Republic. One of Bioware's it's really weird because when people think of Bioware now they definitely think of Mass Effect and Dragon Age first yeah I think but I know I know so many people when I ask them what's your favourite game they're like KOTOR Knights yeah, of the Republic." well
2: it's the perfect Star Wars game
1: it is I mean, it, I mean, it I, absolutely I, 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 is
2: and like I say, I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan but I am a Star Wars fan and you know, and I like lightsabers, and I like the Force, and I like the Sith, yeah. and I, the, I like all of that stuff. Yes. And this game took all of that, yeah. Built its own story,
1: yeah.
2: You know, it built this entire Star Wars universe. So you know, if you, if you do watch the movies and all that kind of stuff, makes you feel like you're kind of special, like oh, I know what they're referencing. You know, this yeah. is done. This is done just for me, even though yeah. there's millions of other people thinking the same thing. Yeah. And the reason, I mean, it is just, I mean, well, the other way around, Dragon Age is just Star Wars fantasy. And vice versa. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the same game in many ways. Like it's not really that much of a difference. But the story is so good. And again, we're going through the same tick boxes. But the characters are so relatable. And with Kotor, and the reason I always put it in these lists, and I know it's, it's so cliched now, but who cares, is the twist of that game is so clever and is so well masked and it changes, you know, changes the latter half of that game to such a degree... Yeah. It means the best twisted video game's ever. I was going to Fernando- I was
1: I was going to ask you this this is the one like I have notes for every game we're talking about. Yeah. But I have literally two notes under Nice of roll bullet. <laughs> one was about one was about the the combat because the combat was very interesting in, in, it was like a D&D style combat that you could pause and customize. It was really really yeah. cool at the time. And the other point was the twist. The twist of that game is one of the greatest video game twists ever. Like, I, th- I ever. think it's the best.
2: I, I put it about Bioshocks, which is the other one that usually gets thrown into that yeah. conversation. So, because...
1: for anyone who's listening, we're, we're, gonna, we're definitely going to talk about it. But, yeah. if you don't know, in Star Wars lore, there is this character called Darth Revan. And Darth Revan was simultaneously both the most amazing Sith and the most amazing Jedi in his story. <laughs> And the twist of KOTOR is you are a amnesiac version of Darth Revan.
2: Mm. Exactly. So, you know, the guy you've been chasing for 30 hours is you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... Only I mean, sounds so preposterous. Yeah, it, this it, this that, game
1: it, that you have you have woken up and you have to start again. You are trained to be a Jedi. You are told all these things about being a Jedi, how great it is, and that there's this character, there's this there's this guy who is so evil, so bad. We we must capture him for the fate of the galaxy rests on him being in the Jedi's like I don't know, being arrested by the Jedi. Jedi and Jail. Spe- yeah, jail. J- Jedi Jail. Somewhere in the Jedi Temple they have like lightsaber bars where you can't get past Exactly, them. <laughs> Exactly. <yeah. laughs> but you find out that you are they. You are you are Darth Revan.
2: It's just great. I mean, it, the fact that it masks it so well. I don't know if you can recall I saw it coming, but I didn't. I didn't. You know I then, have but no but idea. That- Any
1: Anyone no. who says that, even the biggest I, I I have a friend who is one of the biggest Star Wars, Star Wars fans that I've ever known, and one of the reasons he loves Star Wars so much is because of the stuff that happens outside of the Canon, which is now the legends, the Star Wars legends lore, And he attributes his love of Star Wars, not only from the movies, but from KOTOR. And yeah, he said when he found out he was Darth Revan and what had happened in the story and the twist, it had such an impact on him that he, he's never experienced anything like it. And he doesn't, he no. doesn't, he doesn't know whether there will be anything like it because it was so it was so crazy. It was incredible.
2: And it's so well done as well. All of that. And I think the re- thing I liked about that most is I played... I really went role-playing on that game. I was like, yeah. I'm going to do... I'm going to approach each situation and each choice, you know, the whole light side, dark side mechanic. Yeah. I'm not going to pick to be a Sith. I'm not going to pick to be a Jedi. I'm just going to respond to each choice or each situation I'm given how I would want to respond to that. Yeah,
1: and then that's, see that's where you something. end up. <laughs> Exactly, that's
2: exactly right. Let's see where I am at the end of it. However, as soon as they told me you are Darth Vader and we kidnapped you or we, we you know, we, we captured you and we brainwashed you, blah 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 blah, I was like, right, that's it. And for the last ten hours of that game, I was the most evil son of a bitch possible. <laughs> was like that's who I am. That's why you told me how bad this guy was. So that's how I'm going to play this game. And I you murdered all up. my.
1: <laughs> you lived I up did. to your I- reputation. <laughs>
2: Exactly, I murdered all my all my companions. You know, I killed everything. I took everything from myself. And by the end of it, my uh, my light side dark side was just you are the the, the most the, the most awful person in the galaxy. No one is worse than you. <laughs> you know, I fought, <laughs> I fought Darth Malik, I chopped his head off, or whatever. And I was like, yeah. right, here we go. What what did you do to oh, they,
1: what what did you do to Bastila Shan? Oh, they all died. They all died. They all, they all died. got killed. All of them. They all got killed.
2: As soon as they, I was being all nice at that point, I was like, no, I'm Darth Red, and you you'll get killed. And that kind of that kind of switch was just great. It's like it's almost like the last half of that game is a completely different experience to the first half of that game. Amazing. Um, I mean, h- having on a Destiny island is probably not the best idea in the world because I think once you've gone through it once, you can't really go through you it can't, again.
1: Yeah, but, you can't. Re- it's it's an amazing game. Like the, as I was saying, like the other note I had was that the combat was really good. The combat was, was fantastic. It, it's really enjoyable it to play.
2: And it stands out further as well because of what you have at your disposal. You have a lightsaber, you know. You you have force powers, and yeah, you know, as a, as a kid growing up, to again let you let, let you have all that stuff is just fun. I want to use a lightsaber. I want to use force push. You know, these these are the things that I look for in a video game. So you know, throw that all into one package, and you're probably going to yeah. win me over.
1: And it, and with all this, it had the same BioWare like tropes of like conversations, the the world building, the different characters. Yeah. It was great stories. It was so big in scale as well. There was there was especially in terms of Star Wars video games, there was nothing like it. And yeah. even even now it's so well revered because not just because the story and the twist was amazing, but also because of everything else that came with the game.
2: Exactly. And I just like I say, not the biggest Star Wars fan, but It's so well put together and it's so well thought out and it, the pacing of it's great and there's so much to do. Like I said, when I look back again, it's the impact that had Twist had on me as well. There's always one moment in all these games that kind of impacts, impacts on me as a person that puts them into this, into this realm. Because, you know, if someone said to me, you approach it differently and said, you know, give me a load of games that you kind of, I don't know, rate highly or whatever. A lot of them have been Nintendo games and games from my childhood and that kind of stuff. But games that have a had a significant impact and I would i know, want on me if I had to be be cast aside to you know just always remind me of better times. Yeah, Kotor would be in there because I remember I remember wanting to talk to my brother about it and my mates and say, "Oh, have you got to this bit? It's incredible." Blah blah yeah. blah. And it's just again, if I played that today after everything else I played, maybe it wouldn't have the same impact. But that's not the point. I didn't play it today. I played it back in the day when it came out, and that's why, you know, it's remained with me all these years later because it was doing stuff that other games weren't doing.
1: Yeah. Did you play the Old Republic, the MMO?
2: I played it for a preview event once, and I just it's too much. It it lacked everything. So I played KotOR two. I thought KotOR two was great. Yeah. KotOR
1: two was the obviously the the thing that I think KotOR has over KotOR two is the story. They are both mechanically almost exactly the same yeah. they're both as good as each other but the twist of the first game is just so incredible that there was never, there was really never any way that KOTOR 2 was going to really rise above how good the first game was.
2: No, I agree and it's still great and I still yeah, enjoyed
1: absolutely. it but, uh, it's not a bad uh, game at all, it's a fantastic game, it just unfortunately was they it had this amazing game before it.
4: Yeah,
2: exactly it's hard to, to live up to that and the Old Republic to me, I'm not a fan of MO's and it just went too far away. I would have much preferred just to have had KOTOR three. And I don't think that's gonna that's ever gonna happen now. So the old Republic was okay, but it just wasn't my
1: Well, my it's funny really. it's funny you say that, I and mean, it probably I mean it probably won't make any difference, but the most recent uh, expansion that they've bought out for the old republic, I mean, it's not Kotor three, but it goes it harks back to that narrative style yeah. of the Knights of the Old Republic games and it takes away all that 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 bump of MMO sort of questing and that you know raids and styles and it focuses on this driven narrative where you're making choices and you're making decisions and you're having all these characters who you get to know and love and and then it has it, it's really good it's really good so i mean if if you I wouldn't say it's ever going to be on the level of KOTOR 3 for anyone who really liked KOTOR, but if anyone wanted that similar experience again, I will admit, I think Bioware have done a good job with the new expansion. It's even... Oh, what's it called? It's called The Knights of the Fallen Empire. So, you know, <laughs> it has... it has it's
2: the most Star Wars title. Ever. Yeah.
1: It, well, it's sort of, you know, it has these little nods to what happened in the Knights of the Old Republic and that kind of thing. So... You never know. Maybe give it a go at some time, and you'll you'll relive Maybe. those memories. But Maybe. All, yeah, there was nothing really like Knights of the Old Republic at the time.
4: Not at
2: the time. I kind of came to it at the, at the right time as well because I didn't know much about Bioware. I'd never played any of their stuff, you know. So to to have a game that let me kind of a you know be a Sith or be a Jedi and kind of create my own story as I go, yeah. just yeah, just. Again, I look. You know, we we, we had the chat. Like, what games do you want? It pops up in my brain straight away. So Fantastic. I I got so much respect for it.
1: Yeah. Oh. Okay. So, Force Awakens. Yay or nay? Oh, I love the Force Awakens. Yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah.
2: I thought it, I didn't think it was as as, as sort of revolutionary or as good as some people thought, but I thought it was a really fun, enjoyable movie. Yeah. What else can you ask for from a movie? Exactly. Yeah. Then I'm I'm not super Star Wars fans. So it doesn't need to. You know, just I, needs it to be a good,
1: to- solid movie.
2: Just a fun movie,
1: yeah. That's what yeah. I wanted, and that's what it was. You know, that's that's, yeah. that's all it was. So yeah, thought it was good. Cool. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna take a huge a huge U turn with the next game. I think.
2: We, we <laughs> now we're getting to.
1: We are literally uh, uh, we are literally and figuratively driving, driving. <laughs> it is a, such a weird
2: next game. Yeah,
1: driving into a different direction with the next game. So let's listen to some music from that game. Okay, Mr. Simon Miller. This mm. game is from a series I personally think is one of the best Nintendo series ever.
2: Yep, me too. That's why it's here.
1: But I disagree with the game choice for the series. So, well,
2: I, I have a reason for the game. We'll get to it okay. in a minute. Okay,
1: but... right. Yeah, so this is Mario Kart 7.
2: Indeed. Developed, by, 7.
1: <laughs> developed obviously, by Nintendo, their EAD group. It, it was released in... 2011. Mm-hmm. It is the second highest-selling 3DS game of all time.
2: Damn right.
1: Yeah, it sold over 12 million copies, which is, you know, that is bonkers, bonkers copies sold. And um, it was the, you know, it, it it was the first. I think it was the first Mario Kart really to try and change the formula. It had all these hang gliding sections, and you could drive underwater, and you could customize your you know your car and your bike for the first time. Yeah. So why 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 Mario Kart Seven then, Simon? Why why well, Mario Kart Seven?
2: It could be any Mario Kart. That's, okay. Apart from the Wii, apart from the Wii one. I mean, you, you I, I think they're also they're also close together. Okay. So the start, I think I think it's the uh, best racing game ever.
1: Wow! Wow! That is that's some high praise. In,
2: in terms of in terms of the, the series, I don't think okay. Mario Kart has ever ever been topped. I don't get me wrong, I think Mario Kart 7's right up there as well. I'll get to that in a minute. but yeah. I think Mario Kart, ever since the first one, the SNES, which I still adore to this day, you know, Double Dash. yeah, All of them, all, all of the games, apart from the Wii one, just because the Wii one just lacked a, a certain spark for me. That's really funny I think because
1: that, the, the Wii one is the one I played the most.
2: Yeah, it was the one that like, sold the most as well. I but I'd it, abs-
1: it uh, played all the games similar to you, and I love all the games in the series. I think Mario Kart 8 recently is absolutely one of the best, kart oh, games man. ever it's so good it is so yeah. so good and i remember i just remember because i think uh, we were saying right time right place i was in university when the the wii game came out so <laughs> i had a lot of time on my hands
2: well it's funny you say, it's yeah. funny you say that man because that's what ties into my my mario kart 7 love.
1: yeah okay is so because... yeah. please tell me about because... your mario kart 7 uh, story then
2: well, because it's obviously on 3DS, right? So yeah. Mario Kart 6 on, on, on DS, I love just as much. But the 3DS one, as you've just, you know, said, seemed to catch fire for some kind of reason. And everybody had a copy of Mario Kart 7. Everybody yeah. was playing Mario Kart 7. Yeah, everyone was online playing Mario Kart 7. Yeah, the, the previous one was online, but it wasn't. the functionality wasn't great. Mario Kart 7 was a lot better. So it came at a time where I had time to play, not only, you know, with, play with myself, you know what I mean, but play with other people as well. Like everybody was playing Mario Kart 7. So there was this kind of year period of my life when the only game I was playing was Mario Kart 7.
1: Everything every about just lunchtime, about yeah, r- ba- lunchtime racing against
2: and people and, online, everything. And I mean, the other thing is, I was really good at Mario Kart 7, I rarely lost, so that to me was like, right, this is the greatest <laughs> game ever. I finally found games.
1: the game I'm good at, like, exactly. No one, I'm no one take this games. away from me. Everyone, exactly, we have, everyone, we have to play this game for the rest of our lives, like, together,
2: exactly. Like, <laughs> I could talk smack to people because I knew I was probably going to beat them, and it never happens to me, so I could go, You can't beat me at Kart 7, and they would lose, and I'd be like, This is the best, so that kind of goes up. <laughs> Long way from from why I, why I love it so much, but it's that Mario Kart template more more yeah. importantly than the actual the specific game. Mario Kart is just I don't let people go. Oh, I don't like the weapons, or I don't like the rubber banding, or anything like that. But that all comes together. Or, I don't like the blue shell, and yeah, the blue shell is, is hit and miss. But the the nature of that game, especially when you're playing with others, not only manages to always inspire competition. Like, you always want to win in Mario Kart. You just get I got to win. I got I got to do better. But it's, it's incredibly moorish. I've never played Mario Kart. I've gone on board now because I'm just never ever bored. The, the, the way that all you know, the back and forth, and you know how quickly you know you can be eighth in the last bend of a match, and then something happens all of a sudden you win it, and it gives you this incredible rush, this incredible feeling of satisfaction. Oh, and God. that's been going since the first Mario Kart on the and yeah. It's never changed because Nintendo have been so smart with what they do to change it, yeah. or you know, only tweaks. Never, never do anything too much. But also, you know the the frequency of when it comes out. The Mario Kart has never aged. It may have aged in terms of its, you know, twenty years old it's, or whatever. Yeah, it's really funny you say that. The gameplay hasn't
1: aged. Yeah, it's really funny you say that because I think it's when I was because I've i played a lot of Mario Kart Seven. I have played so much of the series, and I was yeah. I was reading about Mario Kart Seven for this, and I was looking into it. You know, it, it reviewed really well. It, as all Mario Kart games do, but it was the first game that sort of it saw people looking at it like, oh, you know, there's not enough. There's not enough change in this game. It's it's too similar to the uh, the other games, and some people reviewed it quite low because it didn't really. That's madness. That's it, it didn't change the formula very much, which is weird because there's this saying, you know, especially in Britain, don't fix, don't try and fix something if it isn't broken. And just,
2: changing that formula would be the worst I, thing Nintendo could do. I would I would stop playing them. I wouldn't be happy. I'd be a very sad man. And it's I do believe.
1: Yeah, like, Mario Kart 8 does nothing different to Mario Kart 7, apart from it looks better.
2: Exactly. And that, that you've literally taken the words out of my mouth, because I completely believe the two, the DS and the 3DS ones, that template, I believe, to be the best Mario Kart template, which is why I put Mario Kart 7 in here. Yeah. Because it is better than Mario Kart 6 and 3DS. And yeah. Mario Kart 8, which I also deem to be... You know, in the same category, is that same game. It's fast, it's quick. Uh, you know, the, the way you get to learn how the control the car handles and how much control you can have on it is just wonderful. You never, feel, other than weapons and stuff, you never yeah. feel like the game screws you out of anything. And that is all based on the template they started on the DS. And Mario think- Kart Seven took that and made it even but It's just yeah. that is Mario Kart to me. Just keep yeah. making that every three years, and you, I you
1: think can it's the only forever. game. I think it's the only game where, especially, I've focus so much i know exactly where to power slide i know exactly exactly where to cut i i know i know uh, literally the pixel perfect how much i can get away with uh skipping a certain bit of the road because of a tiny little bump and i think it's the only game where you can get like angry because you were in first place and you lost and people are like oh do you want to carry on playing of course i want to fucking carry on playing (laughs) exactly
2: (laughs) exactly it breeds competition even though you are driving around like Lollipop Land, it's <laughs> it's 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 just it's just the best, and the kind of like there's the classic thing of the different characters, some that are you know got good acceleration but slow low speed, and vice yeah. versa. So you can really kind of change the way you know, everyone has a playing style for Mario. Yeah. It's not okay, just, you know.
1: So on that important question, bikes or carts?
2: I, I always go carts. Oh, is, okay. you know, it's is what brought me to the dance. But okay. that's why I like Mario Kart 7 because you can muck around with things. Yeah. So if you do start to get a bit bored, I guess there is variation, there is customization and people or like if, you, no, if
1: if you keep winning, you can always like ch- ask like what we do especially between my friends is we ask like whoever keeps winning we're like okay, now we're going to pick your cart for you and let's see Exactly. How
2: well let's see how me. good you really are. Yeah. And that is but to me, it's always Cooper Trooper, and it's always kart. so That's mine. Ah, that, that, you see, mine said, mine was
1: always in in Mario Kart Seven. It was always oh, what was it in Mario Kart Seven? It was always Daisy. Mm, interesting on the bike. Ah, wow, and, and, and then and then on out Mario top. on Mario Kart Eight, it changed to Rosalina and the bike.
2: But, okay, so you got a setup though. You got you an oh, idea of what you want. Yeah.
1: Oh, absolutely. Mario, I, t- I take Mario Kart very seriously, Mister Miller. Damn right. Yeah. So you should. So you uh, should. Yeah. Ex- yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I think. I think after this, I think we're going to have to exchange Nintendo IDs, which is as a Done. horrid experience as that is, and we we should play some Mario <laughs> Kart Eight. We should definitely do that.
2: But I mean, going back as well to the to the Mario Kart Seven thing as well. It's like yeah. you know, on a desert island, got your 3ds. You know, it's nice Perfect. and light perfect it's game. perfect that's what i mean that's why it gets into the list it can be any mario kart game if i want a desert island i want mario kart 7 because I flip open that lid and i've got yeah. an infinite amount of hours of gameplay there that i'm never going to get bored of
1: it's really funny as well because you say that because two of my favorite franchises of all time are, coincidentally are both mario kart and the smash bros series so i really love smash bros and i i my favorite out of the two is smash bros uh, just be. For, I, I don't get
2: mess I never understood s- it, and I don't
1: know why. It's, it's for a very similar reason to yours, because I've played it so much with other people, so, and it's a game that I would have to play with other people. It it doesn't really work very well when you play against the AI, but in Mario Kart, because of the rubber banding, which some people do hate. That game is always close.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's you always cannot close. be too good at it.
1: You cannot. the The AI and the way it's set up, the game mechanics, it pushes you to be good every race, every race, no, no matter what, every race. And especially if you set, you know, two hundred cc where the AI can perfectly glide around a corner, but the map is moving too fast for you that you miss your power slides all the time. You just keep improving and improving and yeah, as you said, perfect game for a desert island, I think.
2: It is, and also the gameplay is is perfect for me. Like I say, you don't you don't need to. If you release another one for whatever the next Nintendo handheld be just re, just remake it again. You don't need to change it. Give me some new courses. Although the yeah. only thing I will say in regards to all Mario Kart games because they've got the retro courses now is we've still never had Ghost Valley One from the SNES version. Okay. That is the best Mario course of all time. So <laughs> Nintendo remake Ghost Valley One. It's brilliant.
1: I'm trying to think what my favorite course is. (laughs) That's
2: quite the thing to just bring on someone.
1: I well, I like a couple of. I think a couple of the Wii courses are really good, like uh, Cooper Cave. Um, oh. What's the uh the Delfino Plaza? That's really oh, good. good. Yeah, I good. love that one. What what about Mario Kart Eight then? What what about what track from Mario Kart Eight do you like?
2: Oh I'd have to I can't remember the names of the ones in Mario Kart Eight. Yeah. It's one of the one of the Bowser's castles. I can't remember which one it is. But uh, I used to. I, I've gone head to head with former video game member Brett Phipps on that course over and over <laughs> and over again, and it never ever got boring. I can see. It, I'm, I'm driving around the course in my head now. I remember every single turn. It's the one that's got the, the small moat in the middle of it. But I can't remember which one it is. Is it? The, is it the yeah, one
1: that? Is it the one at the end of the level? You sort of go up a ramp, and there's like a big yes. drop where. That's if right. You, that's if
2: right,
1: you yeah. if you try and be smart, and you try and cut it, so you can like power slide around the next corner towards the finish line, you can make it. You can make it really tight.
2: That's right. Like, it's but brilliant. if you it's if just... you
1: cut it too fine, you will just fall down the hole. And it's the it's the speed
2: of it. You wouldn't expect these these fictional characters driving around in carts to feel like they're going fast, but they do, and that makes it even more wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's a great game.
1: Do you have the uh, Mario Kart 8 DLC? Because uh,
2: the the, the Mercedes Benz stuff. No, I can't, no I can't not
1: the Mercedes Benz. <laughs> the the ones with the. Uh, with Link and the uh, F-Zero, oh yeah yeah I've got that yeah and the, yeah, uh, yeah, the yeah, Blue yeah. Falcon from F Zero yeah. and <laughs> the Blue Falcon <laughs> on the uh, I forget the name of the uh, F Zero stage um, but at 200 CC is one of the craziest things in in games. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so it's hard to, it's so hard to follow sometimes it's crazy.
2: Yeah, yeah. I did, it is great. It's Nintendo as always. Find a of formula that's just better than everybody else's, and they stick to it, and it never ages.
1: Fantastic. Okay, so we're going to move on to your next game, which is also a Nintendo game that hasn't we're really We're in the Nintendo
2: its... section now.
1: Yeah, well, we are. Yeah, <laughs> coming up to yeah. the tail, tail end of the list. Yeah, we're definitely in the Nintendo section. So, yeah, so we're going to listen to some absolutely wonderful music from this game. It has one of the best, one of the best soundtracks, in my opinion. So, oh let's yeah, a, let's have a listen. Uh-oh. okay now the game you've picked for this one is in my opinion the best in the series in the whole series I it's, guess it's it's Super Mario world
2: indeed which is and
1: just next to s- next to Super Mario Galaxy which I think is one of the, the one of the best platforming games ever made super Super mario world is the best mario game
2: i you've kind of taken my my thought process and and vocalized it but Mario. (laughs) sorry i've
1: I've done i've done this too many times no in a good way
2: no i mean in a good way because i think this is that's how a lot of people think in in the sense that once again much like mario kart you could put any mario game in here and i would i even like super mario brothers 2 i think super mario brothers 2 is a wonderful game even though it's just a a of a different license game in Japan, uh, do-ki,
1: do-ki, doki Doki Panic. It's that's amazing. right, yeah. And I, yeah.
2: I just, I, but Super Mario World, or, or Super Mario Galaxy, or even you know Super Mario World U, which I think yes. is, is phenomenal. I think yeah, it's an brilliant. absolutely
1: superb game. Yeah,
2: it, just in general that Mario games are, you know, just I haven't got words to even describe it. Especially if I look at them. From my my adolescence point of view as well, it's, that it's, is video games to me. Mario yeah. is what video games it's, are.
1: It's very difficult. It's very difficult to put into words because games like Super Mario World they've been spoken about so many times by so many people and praised so yeah. much. It, it's really funny when you look back on video games because it's like you can talk about games like Shadow of the Colossus or KotOR, and some people would sort of they would be nitpicky. They'd be like, "That game hasn't aged well in this area," or "There's something about yeah. that game that could probably be better." But when you hear people talk about Super Mario World, no one ever says anything bad. Like
2: Well no, because you can play it now and it's just as good.
1: It's really funny you like, say that because I actually I did over Christmas. Well, there you I go. I I I was in a, a video game store in Tokyo and I bought a copy of Super Mario World, the Japanese version. And I played through it and I was like, this game, it's just it, it's so good, it controls so well, the music is so yeah. superb, just everything about it is fantastic.
2: And the level design is, like, the platforming sections are just, I they, they, they've never been bettered, like, they're completely unmatched, like, they, they veer from, you know, tutorial without holding your hand, to expert platforming that's going to take you, you know, a good a good while to to perfect and get through, I think
1: and that's yet, the it thing never about- fails yeah. to be
2: entertaining.
1: Well, that's one of the things I think that works in Super Mario World's favour, it progressively gets more and more difficult at such a perfect curve.
2: Mm,
3: The pacing, yeah, this is spot on. When
1: when people talk about difficulty curves in game, you know, there's a lot of games that go up and down, depending on, especially more with open world games where you can stumble into, like, a high-level area or something like that. But with Mario, it's so pure. It starts out holding your hand very easy to, oh my god, (laughs) I have to time this jump perfectly, I have to dodge this and dodge this and duck and... It's so the, the the curve of difficulty is so extremely well done. As you said, extremely well paced.
2: It's just, it's it's a testament to Nintendo because anybody can play it. You know, you can be a child and play it and enjoy it, or you can be an adult and enjoy it. It's not like, you know, to say, oh, this is a this is an adult game, this is a mature game. It's like, well, yeah. how did Nintendo do it then? Nintendo made a kid's game that's also an adult's game, that's also a game for men, it's also a game for women, it's also a game for you know, it's just Anybody can play that game. Anyone can be challenged by that game. And at the same time, everyone can be entertained by that game. And it's just, it's never changed. Like, yeah. the art style holds up, the levels hold up, the platforming holds up. Everything about it is, yeah. like I said, as a kid playing it, I was like, this is just brilliant. Nowadays, when I go back to it, I sit there and go, this is just brilliant. <laughs> it goes to show why Nintendo will always be around. Because nobody else could create a game like that. Yeah. It's just not possible. Yeah. It's not in anybody else's DNA.
1: It's really funny. So, you, you say, like about Nintendo, and it's it's really strange, because obviously, having lived in Japan for the past seven months now, and working with yeah. Japanese people, and at a Japanese company, and the way, just, the culture is so different in the way they think about, like, their products, or their work, or their work ethic, that you can, I've started to understand a little bit more, like, how like the the 80s and the 90s were so dominated by Nintendo and Nintendo games just because of the way they were created and how they they made games that appealed to everyone.
2: Yeah. Well that, like, that's the thing I and mean, it's not an easy thing to
1: do. No. It's not at, at all. And there's like this there's this strange sort of there's this weird cultural thing in Japan where everyone does everything for society. No no one ever really does anything for themselves in in like in England every you know sort of uh, in in Britain you know every everyone's sort of working towards making themselves better, improving themselves making yeah. you know making their career the best but in Japan it's very very different and everyone works towards a similar goal so with like Nintendo creating games like this, it's like they were almost creating a game for everyone in their society they, and didn't, they, did. they didn't yeah they did they created a game where anyone could play. And it's just something that is completely lost on us and our culture of uh, when you think about games that come from the West, it's like many developers say, "Oh, we were creating a game that we would want to play," whereas Nintendo are like, yeah. "No, we're we we're, we're creating a game that we want our mother to play." Or yeah, and they still do it today. To
2: yeah, like, like Super Mario World U, whatever the hell it's called, is uh is just as uh,
1: 3, at that 3D point. 3D 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 uh Super Mario 3D World no yeah it's something Land? like that it's some, it's yeah. some,
2: it's an some awful awful title developed by but Nintendo it's it. an
1: absolutely superb game yeah
2: and that's Galaxy is the same way yeah. i mean Galaxy kind of maybe gets talked about more because again you know the orchestral score and, and the, the setting yeah. is just is just ingenious but it's it's again, really
1: hard because I think Super Mario World, in terms of like that chip tune era music, is easily the best in the series. Yeah. Especially the ending song.
4: Which, <laughs> yeah, but no, it's amazing. Which, yeah,
1: <laughs> which in in a very sad way still kind of brings a tear to my eye thinking of like lost youth playing so many games on the, uh, playing Nintendo for so long. Well, that's but the then, thing. Isn't... Yeah, carry on. Sorry.
2: <laughs> well, I was just gonna say like that. You've just hit the nail on the head about why, if I'm on this island, I pick World. Because you could give me Galaxy, you could give me Galaxy 2, you could give me, you know, Super Mario World 3, uh, you could give me the Wii U game, you could give me the 3DS game. But the point is, if I'm sat there with World, uh, yeah, with Super Mario World for, for, you know, the rest of my life, it's got that nostalgia factor to it as well. You know, it can bring yeah. me back to that point where I'm a kid. And also, it can just, it, it's the game, if I want to really kind of respect what Nintendo do, that I can play, you know, 20 years on and say, it's still just as good. Like, it has an age. This game is timeless. Yeah. It doesn't rely on technical limitations because it wasn't built, you know, it's built on hardware that magically holds up today. And it's just a game that if people say they don't like, I mean, everyone's obviously entitled to their opinion, but if you want to be like, you just, it's just not true. You can't not like <laughs> Super Mario World. It's just you like video games. There is something in Super Mario World that you can get out of it.
1: Even if you are tired of, you know, the Mario formula. A lot of people say they're very tired of the 2D formula and yeah. some people are starting to say that about the three D formula. But you go back and you play Super Mario World and it's just so graphically beautiful and the music is so beautiful and the level design is so like you can tell Nintendo spent so long testing and testing and playing it and making yeah. sure every platform was pixel perfect and it's an incredible like t- like it's got that Nintendo touch that exactly that nobody nothing else, else has that no, no uh, one else can do and so many people have a go at Nintendo now it seems their strategies sometimes seem a little all over the place but they just continue making these games that it have comes- the Nintendo touch and it comes from that era
2: Oh yeah, and when it comes to like the meat and potatoes of you know what a video game is, Nintendo never get it wrong, like ever. It's rare that they they release a game that isn't competent in some way. And obviously, the Super Mario World, the different kind of areas as well, which shift up your surroundings, works perfectly too. It keeps yeah. things interesting. It makes you feel like you're going on some kind of a journey, some kind of an adventure. And by the time you get to you know the last the last bit, which is all you know fire pits and, and hell and all that kind of stuff, it's just. <laughs> It's just a wonderful video game and I I, I well me personally I will never get bored of it. I think it's yeah. I think it's platforming and Nintendo summed up in one awesome package.
1: Fantastic. Well, okay, so okay, just uh two things to ask you about the related to Mario, then. One yeah. being you recently got to speak to uh the voice of Mario.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I spoke to him in some sense, yes. <laughs> yeah,
1: you got to speak to uh, what's it uh, Charles Martinet.
2: Charles Martinet, yeah.
1: Yeah. Ha- like How was that?
2: Well, it's weird. Like, I don't... This is going to make me sound like a bit of a cock, so I apologise to anybody listening. But it was awesome. Like, he was a nice guy and stuff like that. But I never... When it comes to video games, if I met Mario, like, if he was a real person, I'd be like, oh, man, it's (laughs) Mario. But for whatever reason, I always kind of... um, I separate separate them in their heads. So to me, it was just like meeting a nice man that's got a cool job. So I wasn't really like... okay.
1: That's really interesting.
2: yeah, I wasn't like starstruck or, or, for lack of a better term, anything like that. Uh, but it was cool, and he's a nice guy, and I think his job's cool, and I think what he, he's really good at what he does. But yeah, I kind of just treated it as another interview, which I've since been told is sacrilegious and I should be ashamed of myself and all these kind of stuff. But well, it's really strange I, you say I, that. I apologize because... to those people.
1: Yeah, it's really strange that you say that, because I think with Charles Manet, everyone, you know, he comes from, the, you know, the, the Super Mario 64 onwards. He yeah. obviously had nothing to do with Super Mario Bros. 1, Super Mario Bros. 2, or Super Mario World. Um, yeah. But a lot of people obviously associate him, him oh, as of course, the I'm voice of Mario. So, yeah. And it's really, it's really strange because in our culture we obviously associate voice actors with the characters more than we do the developers. Sometimes, yeah. But if you were going to meet anyone to do with Nintendo, Shigeru Miyamoto, just yeah, it, that it, to it me would mean would be... it would just mean so much to meet someone like Shigeru Miyamoto, just.
2: That Would mean that would have a bigger impact on me, On me, yeah. I'd have more to ask him and more to talk about and stuff like To be able to pick his mind would just be like you know, fascinating, yeah. And I think that, yeah, you know, that's where the kind of genius all lies is in his head, yeah. Whereas Charles Martin is a great guy, I really enjoyed talking to him, you know. I'm really happy that he went along with our stupid thing we asked him to do, <laughs> um. But yeah, I didn't really. I don't really associate him with the the success of those games. I'm yeah. not. I'm not saying that out of disrespect to him. He's obviously a huge part of you know what they've become. But in terms of the core, yeah, it's Miyamoto's, you mean.
1: It's funny, like so. Obviously, Super Mario Maker came out, and you interviewed uh, Charles Mane because Super Mario Maker was coming out. How yeah. how have you have you played a lot of Super Mario Maker? Are you enjoying it?
2: I think it's okay. I think it's... Uh, the, the one thing that I come away from it is just going, this is why I shouldn't be allowed to make a Nintendo game. So, this is why you never... <laughs> you know, I, I, I would much always rather have the game, you know, made by the people that know what they're doing. I do like Mario Maker. Like, I jump into it every now and then and I always enjoy it and it's always a laugh, but yeah. they're, 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 they're levels that I've already forgotten about as soon as I finish them as opposed to, you know, this group that I'll, you know, always remember as, as an awesome video game. I think it's a great idea. And I think its longevity is, is 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 forever, really. It's infinite. You can go forever with that game, and you know, giving people those tools to to try their hand at such an iconic series is great. But for me personally, it was it was more of a a nice uh, gimmick almost than than something I could really sink my teeth into. I'd rather I'd rather have Nintendo just make me a Mario game. There you go. Enjoy that.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. I saw. I kind of see where you're coming from, but I I'm also I'm like, wow. Look you know some people it definitely like as you said i can't make mario levels at all <laughs> it, it yeah. obviously proves that i was never meant to be a game designer at all it's i can't tell how you're meant to start a level to the end but you you have, you see these some people who take like what nintendo have like created what they've given and all these people like us who played like super mario world and thought wow that's really good what if i add a little bit here or A little bit here, and they. I think they've built upon that, and some people have created these amazing creations, spawned because they played lots of Nintendo games.
2: Yeah, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of incredible levels out there, like loads of them, and some of which you play and go, "This could be in a Mario game." I don't think anybody would blink an eye. But I'd always, I'd much rather Nintendo just took all them and put it in a new Mario game and delivered (laughs) it to me that way. Well, there you go. There's all your stuff. I think it's great. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to sound like I'm down on, on Super Mario Maker at all. I'm yeah. not. I think it's I think it's awesome, and there are people out there doing doing great stuff. But it's to me a Mario game is something that gets in your head and you play from start to finish. Whereas Mario Maker is something very much I jump in and out of, which is fine. Yeah. Which you know, which which I'm all for. I think that I think that's great. But yeah, it, it hasn't really taken me over as much as it has some people. Okay. But I do think it's great. I don't want it to sound like I'm ragging or anything like that. Yeah. I think it's a uh, I think it's an awesome tool for Nintendo to open up to to its fans. I think that's a cool thing to do.
1: Yeah. So with like Mario and Mario Kart Seven and what is your last game, we won't name it yet, but like the character you created with Miller, like in the Miller Yes. Robot, his favourite games are, you know, Gears of War. And there's a video where you <laughs> you're with a little girl who is from The Guardian.
2: <laughs> yes. Yes, definitely and from The Guardian.
1: And you keep saying, like, you know, Nintendo games are for babies.
2: Yeah, I'm a baby, clearly.
1: How, 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 like, because it's funny, because that is definitely a thing that is said a lot by many, many people of all various backgrounds, of all different gaming backgrounds, that Nintendo games are for younger audiences. Yeah. It just isn't true, like. No, it, not at all. I'm speaking. I'm like, I'm 25. I'm speaking to you. You've been in the video game industry for you know well over 10 years, and the games that make you feel the most, and or, or like you, the games that you're in the video game industry for, are these games created by Nintendo that still now hold up really well. What is it like to like make these videos? Where it's like, oh, Nintendo is for babies. Why would anyone play those games?
2: <laughs> well, I don't care. Is that is? I don't care. Even if people do think, oh, Miller, Miller actually thinks Nintendo games are for babies. I just thought, oh, you can think that. You know, I, I don't mind. I don't care what. I don't care. Is the wrong. Yeah. That makes it sound far more aggressive than I mean it to. But I just don't mind. I don't mind if people think that it's me trying to get some weird hate or weird vendetta out against Nintendo because I think it's funny to start with by oh, saying that because it's so ridiculous yeah, and it's so preposterous yeah. um, oh, wait, so
1: it's funny because like is miller spawned for like the idea of like you know miller only loves gears of war like he, <laughs> he, he seems not really like any other video game he, he, <laughs> well, know, he, he really likes gears of war
2: and i do he, think gears of war is one of the best games ever made don't get me yeah? wrong i, th- I do oh, love sweet. gears of war like okay. the only reason i didn't put it in this list is because if i was on a desert island i don't think i'd want to play gears of war all the time but in terms of Ertz uh, Miller, what's your greatest, you know, games ever list? Uh, Gears, I think is is fantastic. So that's kind of where that joke came from. And you know, Nintendo games, if you look at them on the surface, do look like they're a bit for babies. Like they made a first person shooter where you play a squid. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's what you do if you were making where a game you, aimed at kids. Where you,
1: you don't shoot people with bullets, you shoot them with paint because honestly. exactly.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and but. but with all that said, I am obviously a baby because I think Nintendo games are, are, are wonderful. I think what they do is... Uh, is and it, it make me feel like a kid again. That's the most yeah. important thing about Nintendo games, that they make me feel like... As much as I enjoy curb-stumping a locust's head onto a curb, um, <laughs> Nintendo games remind me of you know, nostalgia and being a kid. And they're just fun. They're just fun to play. I think, I think they're wonderful. But if I say that in character, that's not as fun as saying,
1: <laughs> these games yeah. are for children.
2: <laughs> it's much more fun.
1: Well, it's really good, because it's it kind of just... It's that thing, like, lots of people on the internet think Nintendo games are for kids. Even now, oh, yeah. it's, really, it's really strange. Because you've got exactly. so many people who are well-known, famed video game personalities who are like, well, what's your favourite game ever? Oh, Super Mario World. Absolutely. Hands exactly, man. yeah. I'm a, exactly. 40, I'm a 45-year-old man, but Super Mario World is still better than anything. It's funny. It's a funny... Uh, cliche, almost that Nintendo games it for babies.
2: Yeah, and you've hit the nail on the head there. Like you know, a lot of what we do on the Better Report is you know,
1: uh,
2: satirizing and, and stereotyping and stuff like that. And there are the, these people on the internet that they see Nintendo that way. So it's like, okay, we'll take that joke and we'll run with it because it's so ridiculous <laughs> and so stupid that it's funnier yeah. to to embrace it as truth and, and go for it. But I do want to point out that Gears of War is a, is a great game. It's a real game. It's <laughs> about a real war. It's it's fantastic.
1: Well, obviously, if this was Miller's list, we'd be down from. Eight games to, just, to, to, <laughs> to, to Three to three. Does judgment, yeah, just does no, judgment? Judgment sucks. <laughs> judgment sucks both
2: in reality and in the fake world of, of, of the Miller Report. It's not a good video game. I can't. Say okay. Well, a
1: someone, someone, sad. someone listening to this could now put that in the wiki saying Miller says judgment sucks. <laughs> oh yeah,
2: both of us. Both of us saying it's just not good on any level. They changed the buttons around anyway. That's a different conversation for a different day.
1: <laughs> okay, so we're going to move on to your final game. The last game you would get on your deserted island, uh, yeah, it's another Nintendo game. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely to me because this this is your favorite game of all time,
2: yeah. It, not even it's not even close. Like by a country mile, yeah. I love this. I love this game. I play okay. it once every year, and it's just the best.
1: Okay, right. So let's listen to some absolutely. Well, people are going to be able to guess the game straight away after doing this. They already know, I imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's have a listen. Okay, so if you couldn't tell already from the music you just listened to, we're going to talk about Simon's last game, and it is The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time.
2: The best. And I think, in a way, if you go back, other than the, the other two Nintendo games you mentioned, if you kind of focus on the other the other four or five games that we chatted about, they're all based on how much I enjoyed Ocarina of Time and outside of Nintendo. Because all, I mean, all Zelda games are great, but that's my favourite. And yeah. all the other games are essentially you know you could you you can tie them back to ocarina of time in some sense like every one of those games even something like you know elder scrolls oblivion which you wouldn't at first thought think that's nothing to do with zelda but there's so many similar similarities in that game that there is to zelda and that has just become my game that's the game i want to play like that's when the idea of the fantasy rpg became became so so interesting to me and it's you know i remember playing that game and I remember getting out of Kakaruku Village and having that Hyrule field just to walk around and being like, this is just this is just the best. It's the best game ever. It will never be topped. I know that's, in a way, a, a very negative thing to say because you want to believe, but it just won't because it gets away with so much because of the age I played at and the time yeah. of, of my life and all of that and what I expected from a video game and how that just over-delivered in every sense.
1: I, I think it also came at a time where the shift in video games was so large, we went from this only 2D era with some Super Nintendo games that simulated 3D like Star Fox did to Super Mario 64 and Ocarina of Time. And Super Mario 64 had this, you know, it was absolutely mind-blowing. It was incredible. Super Mario 64 absolutely changed the whole video game space in one release but ocarina of time had this this open world completely in 3D that was just so big and so vast it was it has, as you said n- nothing will top it in terms of the what it did to inspire games like oblivion and dragons age origins in how they All work of them. today All of them,
2: yeah. It was true, and it, it, the thing for me as well was, I've always loved Zelda. Ever since I played the original one on the, on the NES, I've thought there's something special about this. And obviously A Link to the Past and the SNES is just one of the best games ever made. But Ocarina of Time is kind of, it was so simple in its selling point, because it's like, well, what if you took that camera, you know, that over, that bird's eye camera, and we pulled it back, and we put it behind Link? You know, what would that yeah. do? And that, that, here's your answer. So to get to it, almost replay that experience, but from that point of view, and obviously you know there, there are some changes, was just yeah, it just, it just completely changed my perception of, of 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 what you can expect from a video game and what you can do in a video game. And it's also kind of the first one that felt like this is a bit cheesy, but like, almost like a storybook come to life. You know, there was an adventure there, there was a journey to go on, and you were going to have ups and you were going to have downs, you were going to go to different places, and you were going to fight wonderful crazy things and find these yeah. exotic weapons and all this kind of stuff and it's just I, I, it was i I was excited about it before it came out Then when i was playing i was just everything works the music works the characters work the story works yeah you know the layout of the levels works all the secrets work i do genuinely every christmas i go back and i always make sure i play easier now because of the 3ds version but you know i always make sure i just play a little bit of it it's just a yeah. game that it's the reason I love games. It's the game I'll always go back to. It's always going to be my favorite game ever. It's just the best. The best game. It's,
1: yeah, it's. I'm so glad you say this, because if I can attribute any game as this, the reason why I love video games and why I you know spend so much of my time reading about them playing them watching videos about them writing about them doing podcasts like this about them it all started with the ocarina of time yeah. i played i'd played games before that but it was like oh i played sonic for now and again and i was kind of at the time a bit too young to kind of understand why mario was so special yeah like i do now but i was i was what 8 when ocarina of time came out i was at an age where i could kind of understand what was so good about it hmm. and that there was nothing like it before
2: that's it that's it and it, it, it that's why nothing can beat it because it challenged my perception of what a video game was with a series i was already hugely fond of yeah so it's just like this this is this is this is perfect this is exactly what i wanted and by the time you're 10 hours in and you kind of look back and realize how far you've come it's like, well, this isn't just doing level after level after level. This is an experience. Like I say, it's a journey that I've actually gone on. I feel like the story is unfolding in front of my eyes. It's not like, oh, you've just done level 10. Congratulations. I guess it was the first game that I played that moved away from the whole, this is a challenge and moved into the space of this is an experience we want you to enjoy. And as you can see from you know most of my list, that's what I've, I've gravitated towards ever since yeah. then. And that's the game that started it. And in my mind... Is the game that even if indirectly, all those other games are inspired by, and all tried to capture the magic of, and did in many in many regards. And ever since then, it's what's it's been about. Like um, score attack games and leaderboard games are great, but that's not really what I want to play. I want to play games that, like I say, take me on some some form of a journey that I can look back when I'm done and think, "Wow, I actually, you know, I feel like there was a cohesive story in there that let me sink my teeth into it." But the catch being that I was in control of the whole
1: thing. Well it was just this game where the it it was it it, it, it moved on. Like I remember when I played it, I <laughs> when I was younger, I couldn't even get out of Kakariko Village to begin with, because I couldn't find <laughs> the sword. So I was Yeah wasn't to it get wasn't past, easy, yeah. I was I wasn't allowed to get past Milo, so I couldn't go to the Great Deco Tree and I couldn't beat uh uh the spider down there. I forget named Gamora. Yeah, yeah Gamora. I, I, think I think so, yeah. Yeah, so and i remember doing that and then i remember the Deku Tree dying and being like what what is going on like
3: <laughs> d- wh-
1: why is this happening why is this uh, almost this this cataclysmic sadness I, this is a game this is the start of a game why is it why is this happening and exactly. it's so it's so emotional and it has like this orchestral music and it there was the honestly just was nothing like it and then you you get out of Kakarika village and sayara gives you the most useless ocarina ever <laughs> cuz all you have to do is travel across the field and you get given a new one anyway yeah that's true uh and then you know the, you, the great deku tree died and you don't you don't quite understand why you told this story then all of a sudden you get to hyrule castle and you meet this princess you've gone from this this kid who lived in this village like in all Zelda games but you meet this princess and and i think the way princess zelda is revealed to you was just like almost like okay this is what this game is going to be like from now on it's going to be beat to beat these amazing reveals that like video games hadn't really done before because they weren't able to portray like facial emotion and you know link's expression when he first saw the princess and the way zelda looks at him like smiling being like oh you're the guy i dreamed about beating that guy ganondorf and you look at ganondorf and you're like that guy looks evil (laughs) and there was just there was nothing like it there was no game that had like facial recognition that much before like you couldn't tell the expressions on the characters faces and the way the music works with the game it was incredible Honestly, oh, it really but...
2: was, and uh, it, 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 it never set into a pattern either. Like each of the dungeons you went into posed a different threat. Like even the weird little stealth sections it had. Like when you mentioned when you're trying to get into Hyrule Castle, it it never it wasn't you know making sure that things stayed interesting and that you remained interested was its was its main goal. And there was always there's so much side quests and doing so many secrets. And to this day, you can play it this day. Like the 3DS remake they did is great. The 3DS DS remake
1: te- is fantastic, yeah.
2: Exactly. And the fact that you can play it and go, this doesn't feel out of place at all. And here we are, almost 20 years later, is just, yeah. I mean, it's, it's never good. It's just the best. It's all I can. I can't speak highly of it enough. If people haven't played it here listening to this, go out, get yourself a 3DS. Don't play the N64. Frame rate's terrible. But play
4: it.
2: <laughs> play it on the 3DS and just enjoy it for what it is. And, you know, if you can play it, in the context that it's meant to be played in, you know, sort of like late 1998 and go out and see what else is out there, then it's, it's it's a fantastic video game. It's a video game I'll always go back to. And like I say, it's a video game that inspired me to, to play all these other ones as well. So cheers, Nintendo. I
4: appreciate
1: it. <laughs> Thanks, Nintendo, for these games. For uh, so it's it's like when I think back to in Time, it's like you were saying, it's, it never... It never gets into a rhythm of a similar pattern. It's not. It's not like you do this, you do this, and you get better and better. It's always like you go to one dungeon, and by the end of that dungeon, you're good at that dungeon, and then you go to another dungeon, and it's completely different. Like exactly,
2: you've got to rethink. All,
1: all of a sudden, everything you learned from that dungeon, barring maybe a few things, you have to relearn things because you know yep. you get the boomerang, you get the hook shot. It, it all. It, it was just so. Oh, it's such a strange game when you really think about it. When it came out at that time, as nothing else was was like it.
2: That's the thing; it was so different. I remember reading about it in like official Nintendo magazine and being like, "It cannot be like this. Like, it just cannot be like this because it's just, it's out of. This is nothing like what I've played before or what I expected the next one to be. So then, when it drops and it does do all that stuff, plus it does all this, you know, like even the small things about if you go to. Hyrule Town, and you can play like all the mini games and stuff. It just makes it feel like, or oh, if you go to Hyrule Town at night, and there's different mini games because different shops are open because it's got a day and night cycle, like a day and yeah. night cycle. And like 1998 was like, we talking about day and night cycle, <laughs> and it affects affects the world, like
1: yeah, again, like you it, it have it's like
2: it alive almost.
1: Yeah, when you're trying to get into Hyrule Castle, and you have um, Marlon's dad, who is a he's like a a homage to Mario. He looks like Mario. Yeah. And he is like lying in front of like this place where you need to push these boxes. And it's like, well, how do you, how do you wake him up? Like he's lying. You like, how the hell, how the hell do you wake this guy up? And the way you do it is you, you have this egg and then you wait, you wait for night to pass and it becomes day and the egg hatches. And then all of a sudden this hen, like this chicken that's come out of this egg, like it, you know, it does like a rooster call, like a morning call, and it wakes the guy up. It's, it's like I mean, it's... It's, it's fantastic. It, it was almost like adventure game style of puzzling. Like, well, what is this egg for? Why the hell have I got this egg? And then, like, there's this guy sleeping in... There's just so many different things like that
2: all and the, over the place. horse as well, of course, before I yeah. it. Like, a pony a pon- and yeah. getting to, to, you know, trot around an open world on a horse felt completely brand new to me back then as well like completely you know made the whole thing oh this world's massive i can't walk around this well no of course you can't so here's a horse it's yeah. just yeah just excellent like I said, and like even that,
1: then I just, it it was a game that had fast travel because you could use the different it was one of the first games where you could like well i i'm not sure about one of the first but it was definitely one of the first games that implemented fast travel as being a big part yeah, of the with game the ocarina. yeah with exactly. the ocarina and you could go to all the different temples and you could like you could do something in this temple, and then you'd be like, oh, crap, I need, like, this. I need more rupees, or I need, like, this to be able to do this. Ah, I don't want to have to backtrack all the way through and walk all the way back. It's like, no, Nintendo are like, no, we, know, we understand that. So here's, like, a song that will make you, you know, fast travel across.
2: Exactly. They, they thought everything out, And I, I guess I truly believe that its influence runs through every game like that today. Like, people use things that it introduced and thought of. To ensure that an open world, as cool, it, as, cool as it is, isn't like a, 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 an annoyance to go around. And yeah. in, in, in Zelda, the Ocarina of Time was a game that thought up a lot of that stuff. They thought, well, this works, so let's just do it. And now other games go, well, you know, that's part of the canon now, so we'll keep going forward.
1: <laughs> Which is like, it's crazy to think that how influential Nintendo have been, not only like when it comes to Mario, like platforming space, but then with Zelda and the 3D space.
2: It's... Yeah and a lot of people now because everyone says you know they think it's a cliche to say Ocarina oh, of Time's of course you're saying that but when you actually think about it there's a good reason for why it gets to the top of many people's lists especially if you were the right age when you played it it was yeah. just like nothing else it was so different and it's just a beast of a video game really
1: it's one of those things it had such a oh my god what is this what how is this is this real like it was so different to everything else of the time like the six years before where people had been living, like, you know, playing their Super Nintendo games, these 2D games. Like, Star Fox was pretty incredible with the, like, simulation of 3D graphics. But when Super Mario 64 came out and then Ocarina of Time, it was, it just changed gaming. It was like a wave exactly, yeah. ripple ripple, like a ripple through the waves that just changed everything.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's why, you know, if you're looking back, at the games that really made an impact on you, especially the age I was at as well, that's always going to be top because it did take such evolutionary and revolutionary steps, and seemingly did it with ease as well. Like you know, it's not like it was riddled with bugs <laughs> or problems or anything. It's, it's pretty much a, a solid game from start to finish.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, so, what is your what is your favorite part of that game? Like many people, like the water temple is synonymous with being like the most frustrating part of that game. Uh, for me, I absolutely adore the uh, the Shadow Temple, using oh, yes. the magnifying glass to get through all these different things. It was, And the boss fight with uh, Bongo Bongo was Oh, yeah, it was a- fantastic, amazing. yeah. What about, what about yourself? What was your favorite part of that game?
2: Well, I mean, definitely this sort of reveal of Hyrule Field is always going to be up there. I know it's kind of quite standard, if everyone says that. But just knowing that, go on, go where you want, moment was... Was awesome, but on a bit more of a specific level, I I like Gerudo Valley. Gerudo Valley always uh, always entertained me because I enjoyed the weird stealth section when you're trying to break out of jail. As oh yeah, as, that yeah. Could, as frustrating yeah. as that could be, I was always something about it. Plus, I love the music of that place and uh, the mini games you get to do on the horse. When you're running around finding your bro and arrow at targets and stuff. Just that whole area just felt
4: it, it's almost like a different
2: video game by that point. Now, I'm in jail. <laughs> I mean, complete the scenario change. The environment is different. I'm now doing stealth sections. It's just yeah, I just yeah, complete, completely out of left field, but also made utter sense given what had just happened. So, yeah, just just, just all of it, really. I'm trying to think of things I specifically liked, but, you know, meeting the Gorgons in... Um, I don't know what the hell it's called now. Fire Alley. It's not called Fire Alley at all. Dodonga's uh, um, Valley. Valley. Yeah, when you go up the mountain the, of hell. The mountain, when you, when you have <laughs> to... <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, uh, Death, Death Mountain. Death, Death Mountain, Mountain, of course, yeah, when you're yeah. going up
2: Death Mountain. All of that is just... Oh, man. it's just. I look back <laughs> on it now and it gets... even the stuff when you're walking around the small villages as well. You know, when you're walking around those villages and, and talking to people and getting given side quests. Just look it's... back on it and go, there's so much to that game and so many little bits that... I remember and the graveyard as well. You have to push the gravestone and you follow a gravestone uh, yeah, for
1: a bit. Yeah, and uh, you have to race Damprey uh, through, like, the... Yeah, like... I can't, I can't remember what item you get. Uh, you get, like, a really good item.
2: I forget. You get the the, the magnifying glass. Oh, is
1: that the, ma- the... Yeah, that's when you get the magnifying know, it's glass. It's yeah,
2: you see through stuff. So yeah, it's yeah. just... There's it, so many different things that it does. And, you know, it does almost feel like a book in many ways. And I just think that... Um... Oh, that's my phone name, Sorry about i just think that um it feels you know you go back to specific points and it does feel like it's evolved and it's changed and you know you have these these moments that are specifically designed for you to talk about did you do this bit? did you do that bit and the the soundtrack as well soundtrack is just
1: well absolutely it's it's one of those things that's it's so hard to pinpoint exactly what is so fantastic about that series and when people talk about it, it's like, "What is one of the greatest games of all time?" Well, it's definitely Ocarina of Time. Why? Oh, because the gameplay is great. Oh, the music's great. The level design is great. The graphics yeah, the are great. great. The, yeah. the story is great. Just everything about that game. It had the best music. It had the best story. It had the best graphics. It had the. It was. It was everything in one neat little package. That... And everyone
2: rag. And everyone rags on it now, but it's uh, you know the way that it would introduce an item and then make sure you use that item throughout the dungeon you found it on and against the boss was yeah. done perfectly you know i know that's Zelda cliche now but yeah. in that game it is both introduced and executed yeah
1: you know, well at no, the time no that, yeah well at the time it was it was coming off the back of like a link to the past and obviously zelda 1 because zelda 2 was very different but it's only cliche now because the procedure uh, like the preceding games after have been like exactly been the following of the that formula of but ocarina of time. yeah but ocarina of time was so good that no wonder those we were talking about the Mario Kart formula before and you know don't fix what isn't broken. Obviously, it's a little bit different with Zelda and the you know Majora's Mask was strangely enough Majora's Mask was probably the most different from Ocarina of Time of all the games that have come afterwards. Oh yeah, no definitely. And since then, you know, I think Nintendo have been trying to find what what made Ocarina of Time so special with each new well, I, zelda game
2: but i'd be happy for them to do the same thing just i like twilight princess i like skyward swords just keep repeating it to be honest yeah. i like having that experience thrown at me every four or five years it works for me but
1: so so do you mu- might do you mu- do you much more prefer the sort of uh i wouldn't say gritty but you know uh the the different that that 3d zelda in comparison to like the wind waker zelda
2: well, no, because that's the thing. I mean, you know, Link Between Worlds that came out a couple of years ago. I reviewed the video game. I gave it ten out of ten. I think it's one of the best games ever made. Yeah, I'm actually, that,
1: I'm actually replaying it right now. Like, yeah, I've been, I've been playing it this week. It's a, it's a fantastic game. But that's, yeah, that's, 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 di- that is a very, I wouldn't say different to Ocarina of time. But that definitely, that game is trying to hint, hint back at a link to the past a lot more. Than exactly.
2: That. Yeah. But I just think both of them, like both of those templates. I think like, again why I have such a Affinity for the Zelda series is because two different templates, but two incredible successes. So yeah. just, you know, keep, keep remaking that stuff Nintendo, give it to me every <laughs> few years, and, and I'll be a happy man.
1: Fantastic. Oh, wow. Well, that is the last game on your list. and
2: That's my list. That's that it. That is
1: your list. That is, a, well, to be fair, a superb list of games.
2: I know. I'm sure most people are going, I can't believe you left this off. Unbelievable. But it's my <laughs> desert island, so, you know, I want to play Yeah, exactly. Well,
1: to be fair, no one is there to criticise you about your choices. <laughs> exactly
2: there. the best thing about it, yeah. There's no one to go, <laughs> this is wrong.
1: So, <laughs> usually, the question I want to ask people after talking about the games the games are really important but i think a big part of especially being inspired by video games is also the the era the the time in which you played the games so my last question to you would be if you could take one console forget if you can play these games but these are the only games you could play if you could take one console with you what what console would it be what what console means the most to you like
2: Ah, that's a different question. Which one? Which <laughs> like, if I was good, which one? Like, which one do you want? The one that means the most to me, or the one that I'm taking on my desert island? Hmm. Um, I can do both if you want.
1: Okay, do do both. Do both.
2: Because the thing is, the one I take on my desert island is the 3DS. Okay. That's because a lot of the games that we have discussed, yeah, or variations of them, are already on the 3DS. There's ports, or there's you know. Okay. Games that have been specifically made to do that, but the ga- the console that I think probably means the most to me would be um, somewhat surprisingly given the list, but it would be the SNES. Simply because when I think about growing up and playing video games and you know the nostalgia side of all of it, it was the SNES. It was playing Mario Kart. It was playing the Mario games. Yeah. You know. It was uh, playing Street Fighter 2, you know, with my brother and getting into a fight over that, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> that's always playing, um, you know, all the uh, little football games and stuff that are on there. Yeah. And that's what I always think about as my most fond memory of gaming. Was on, was you know, was, was on the Super Nintendo, getting up early on a Saturday morning and making sure I snuck downstairs so I could play it by myself before my brother woke up, you know. It's all, it's all the Super Nintendo and there's so many good games on it and so many good games that I look back. Fondly, that yeah, that's it will always probably be the console that I I kind of value the most in terms of uh, my video game life, I guess, for lack of a better term.
1: Yeah, oh, that's that's superb. I I mean, the Super Nintendo would probably be one for me too. I mean, the back the back catalogue of games especially games like you know Link to the Past and Super well, yeah, Mario Kart yeah, yeah. that too they, they are the starting they were the starting formulas for why you know especially the games on your list like Mario Kart 7 and Super Mario World and Ocarina of Time why those games are so good because of the games that came before them
2: yeah and you got stuff like Donkey Kong games. Country yeah uh, so many games that you know right now escape because there are so many games that yeah, you know your I, brain can't even, even something like Earthworm Jim Earthbound <laughs> gym was great. I loved Earthbound
1: gym. <laughs> we, we, you've got games like, um, you know, Chrono Trigger and uh, the, yep. uh, most, most of the early Final Fantasy games. Uh, you got Dragon Quest, uh, all these RPGs as well. The, the Super Nintendo was extremely well known for the amount of RPGs it had, especially from Japan. They just mm. kept bringing out good RPG after good RPG. So that's a that's a really good choice. Really good yeah. choice. But
2: I just thought as well, talking about honorable mentions and stuff. Before, yeah. before we wrap up, and I'm not, I'm not going to go into the reasons why, but just as I drop, I cannot go through this podcast about eight games that I would take on a desert island without dropping WWE or WWF at the time, No Mercy in there, which is the best <laughs> wrestling game ever made. I still play it today. With a the good N64 of mine. game, yeah, the N64 game. I still play it today. I... With a friend of mine, I still love it. It's still the best wrestling game ever, and it's it. Uh, I agree. To the end of time. So
1: I agree. I agree. It is the best wrestling game of all time. Indeed. But that's I'm... just
2: a, a quicker aside
1: I'm I'm not huge into wrestling. I know you are yourself. I know you're a big, yeah, war- big wrestling so. <laughs> But I have very fond memories of playing No Mercy on the N64. I remember it. I think it took my eight-year-old self almost a year to realize how the hell you pinned people in that game.
2: <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> the, the beauty of you, Baggett.
1: Yeah, it took so long. I just remember what you, they had like the energy bars at the bottom, didn't they? That's I remember right, just—I yeah. just remember beating and beat trying to beat like trying to take down Kane <laughs> as the Undertaker for so long, just until they—I—I I won by technical knockout. <laughs> that is the only way I won in that game. You
2: won. That's all that matters. You That's won. all that matters. That's the key. Yeah. <laughs> <But> yeah, <laughs> well, it's just, it's just a quick mention for that.
1: Yeah. No. Absolutely. Well. It's your island. Unfortunately, you can't have it because you can only have eight games. No, I know. But... I know. I've left it behind,
2: but I've, I've mentioned it, so I feel better. About yeah,
1: it. it's 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 fond in your memory.
2: It's only good with someone else there anyway, and I'm alone on my desert island, so I yeah, don't need that's to say true. It's only play against the AI for the rest <laughs> of my life. That sounds great.
1: <laughs> well, Simon, this has been absolutely superb. I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to you talk well, about no, these games. Well, thank you, man.
2: I really appreciate you having me on.
1: No, absolutely. It was an uh, an honor to have you on. It was fantastic. Wow, that's
2: too nice. That's way yeah, no. too nice, man, but I appreciate it all the same.
1: No, I loved it. It was superb because especially I have played all the games on the list and uh, like Super Mario World and Ocarina of Time and Shadow of the Colossus mean a lot to me too. So it's really, it's good to talk with someone who has the same sort of feelings about why those games mean so much. And Oh yeah, man, definitely. It's really good. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on and if you could, like, tell people where to basically find your stuff, obviously you work at the wonderful videogamer.com <laughs> that if you have not checked out videogamer.com, aside from the Miller Report, they some of the stuff you guys do is just so good. It's absolutely superb. and There's a, a great bunch of people there. Check it out. Definitely check it out. Is there anything right. else that you, you're doing uh, or you want to say that you...
2: Uh, well, yeah, like I say, it's VideoGamer.com, on YouTube at video Gamer TV. If you want to ask me any specific questions about anything, I'm on Twitter at SimonMiller316. Because, um, again, I love wrestling, so get the in there. <laughs> Stone Cold other- Steve <laughs> Exactly. And other than that, it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, as, as I'm pimping stuff out, I'm in a band. So if you like metal music, you can search for MG and the Juggernaut, and then let me know how much you either do or don't like it either is fine. Music is a very subjective thing. But Other it's than that, simple. I'm around yeah. you going if like I say if you get me on Twitter at Simon 316 most of my nonsense comes through there so yeah yeah i've you're I've, I've actually
1: I've heard your band and you and it you should listen to this uh Simon's band anyway just because they have a song called Kaiju
4: yeah, that's right so yeah,
1: exactly see.
2: Not the an awesome, Japanese folk, out there.
1: Yeah, that's an awesome name for a song. So you oh, thank you very much.
2: Yeah, Indeed.
1: well, Simon, thank you very much for listening. Uh, this has been the second episode of Final Games. I really hope you've enjoyed it. I hope to be bringing more episodes soon and a bit more faster than seven months because that is an incredibly <laughs> long time. Um, thank you for listening. I'm Liam Edwards. You can follow me on Twitter at LiamBME. Um, I have my own YouTube channel as well. It's nowhere near as good as VideoGamer.com's, but you can follow me at www.youtube.com forward slash C forward slash GotRare. So thank you very much for listening, and I hope you will join me next time. This has been Final Games. Goodbye.